0: and I push the button and we all oh, live. Dorito, hi. Hey, what's up, Rant? How are you today? I and mean, I am doing fantastic. Yeah? Uh, things have been good, man. Uh, you know, been doing the new business with the newsletter and the fund and it's been great, man. Been really cool. Uh, you know, life's been Life's always interesting. As you get older, it's not like things change. It's not like I feel like any different. I still feel like I I do when I was five years old or you know forty. Nothing's really different. Mm-hmm. It's just you start to focus on different things. You're like you start to get excited about stupid things, like oh, you're at a store and you see something that's like a pot or a pan. Like I really got, <laughs> I got this cool iron skillet. I'm excited about, you know, right now, uh, you know, that's things funny. like that change, but nothing else is any different, man. I still have the same drive, still have the same brain, uh, I'm still a psychopath. Uh, nothing's different. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just <laughs> casually slip that in there. Mm-hmm. I I feel you on that that pan thing because I t- just try to eat as good as I can usually and uh so now
0: instead of getting stoked I'm like oh I'm gonna eat some chocolate
1: I'm like oh we have apples yes
0: yes <laughs> yes we have apples I'm on this new thing a kale man like I'm psyched on kale we went on this trip to um North Carolina and mm-hmm. we stayed at this uh beachfront hotel which was awesome and they had the food places had like a bunch of like salad places everywhere and I was mm-hmm. like man this is cool and then I was like man, I fucking love kale. Like, it was like the weirdest (laughs) thing I think I've ever said. And like, I I came home and I started eating kale like every single day. I started intermittent fasting around that time too. Like, so I lost some weight. Like I got in a lot better shape. Like I actually feel in the best shape I've ever been in my life right now. Um, At least after knee surgeries. Let's just say after knee surgeries. I don't pre pre twenty one twenty two when i started having knee surgeries was different but after that age i feel the the best shape i've ever been in my life right now that's good i mean i've yeah. seen you twice in the past month riding yeah i'm i'm trying to ride again i'm trying to I play basketball all the time i work out we were just at the gym this morning so i mean i'm feeling good man uh, it's nice to not be i think the thing that sucks about riding and aging is you start to get in pain And you start to go, maybe this is just me now. Maybe I'm just in pain all the time. And really, it's like, no, like, fuck that. Like, I don't want to be in pain all the time. That's fucking miserable. Like, I because I got really used to it to the point where, like, I my fucking fiance came home one day and she was like, hey, um You know, I want to go to this place and try to uh, do it as a therapy called RPR. It's Reflexive Performance Reset. So basically they take your your nerves, hold on to like traumas like Mm. we we fall on our hips millions of times as bike riders. Yeah. And so then your body starts to curl around those zones and to heal it, you can let go of that um, that that nerve pain and that stress and let go of it and like i told her like i was like i'm not doing it i don't care i'm getting surgery i was about to get surgery on my hip and i'm like i'm just gonna have to get surgery i couldn't walk at that point i went and did that the first time i left there i was walking the third by the third time i did it i was able to ride my bike a little bit again um you know and it was a it was a really big i it was an eye opener for me to kind of be like hey like the more i look at pain differently the better off i am i also read the book Which, if anybody but Dan Sieg, and if Dan Sieg's seeing this or sees this somehow, if anybody but him would have told me to read this book, it's called Healing Back Pain. The first page or two into it, it says, "When you throw out your back, that's psychological. It's not even real." I grabbed the book and I threw it against a wall. I was like, "This is stupid." But you, I throw out my back all the time, and oddly enough that i didn't even read any more of that book at that time and my back never threw out in that like month i didn't read it and i didn't notice that because i was dealing with this over and over again now all these years later that's that's five six years ago my back hasn't thrown out once and then you read the rest of the book and it talks about like most of the time your back pain is psychological so the because your back is encased in your uh, spine is in, in encased in nerves yeah or your are in, in bone nerves are encased in bone and so your your brain tells your body that hey don't do this hey you could be in back pain and then not to mention our society don't lift like that you could hurt your back don't do this you could hurt your back and then you find out as the years move on like you're mostly your, but most of my back pain was psychological It's it's real pain it's not it doesn't not hurt but it's like over the years now, I'm like, I'm able to go, hey, I'm not in as much pain as I think I'm in. Hey, I'm OK. I'm not really in that much pain. And there was I remember us going to like an amusement park and normally like I would just be laid out for the day when my back would be screwed up It was the first time I ever just sat there and was like, I'm not in any real pain. Yeah, I'm OK. And I was able to talk myself out of it. So shout out to Dan Sieg. Thanks, Dan, for uh giving me that book. It was a, a life change danger and like through all those things and working out again and because first you got to get out of pain to start to figure out how to like get back into shape again so your body starts moving again and so on and then you get to the point where yeah I can actually ride my bike a little bit again which is cool I've always loved the saying sometimes we have to fall to remind
1: ourselves that we're not made of glass yes Yes, because that's it's along the same lines as what you're talking about where like mm-hmm. you got this fear of falling in your head because like oh no I'm going to get hurt and then you hit the ground and it's like oh oh yeah I guess it's mm-hmm. not that bad
0: Yeah, and I tell our kids that you know it's something I tell our kids you know like it's something where he you know Noah was always um, he was kind of timid when he was younger and then one time he I think he broke his wrist yeah it was his wrist and you know that's what i said you know at least like now you know you're not like made of glass you know you're not going to just die every time you fall and right. you know now he's out in colorado skiing and doing you know back flips front flips and 720s 1080s and all types of stuff <laughs> so it's cool to see like a, a crazy change in someone just by that exact quote right there that's you cool know, you know so he brings that quote up all the time still hmm cool so you've been riding and
1: mm-hmm. been back at it chit-chatting with people i'm curious your perspectives on uh your experience of that so far and what you see going on at bmx world
0: oh so I did see, we were talking about this a little bit before, I did see the Zach Gerber interview. Zach Zach's a really good friend of mine in Columbus. He's probably my only like really good friend here. Uh, I love Zach. He's just good people. And he's fucking wild. And I think the one thing that people forget about um, when you're listening to Zach and you're going, oh, my God. he's," I, And I got so annoyed by reading the, the comments during the live. Like if you go look at the live comments during the live and people are like, God, he seems so angry. God, he's so <laughs> bitter. Uh, like all this stuff. And it's like, number one, this this is someone who lived it. Yeah. Zach is is and was one of the best riders in our area for years and years and years.
1: And innovative. I mean, like did things yes. that no one ever did and ever will do. And and you can say that in statement. And that statement itself, like yeah, that sounds cool and everything. And then you look at what he actually did that that applies to. And it's like on the gnarliest end of what's even possible. He's not just doing like I do a uh, ice pick saran wrap and who else in the world's going to do that. No, Zach Gerber's front flipping roof to roof gaps. that People <laughs> didn't even want to jump. So yeah, it means something to say that.
0: Yes, exactly. And so like, you know, when you think of someone who's lived it, um, made the number one made made uh mistakes made um uh did the best tricks ever uh good person like very passionate like the dude who's there like if i'm like if i'm in a fucked up situation i'm calling zach like that's the type of dude he is um and i don't care if you're probably not even his friend or close to him that's the type of dude he is so to see people like on there going like oh my god like you know, live, like, stop being so upset. Stop being so angry. It's like, dude, you have no idea that dude has lived it. And I've lived it too. And it's like, it's, we're trying to say to the next generation, certain things that weren't said to us. Yeah. Like it was never said to us that, Hey, it might be really hard if you, you don't focus on anything, but BMX, like maybe try to figure out different ways of making income, maybe try to figure out different things to learn about Maybe just like every time you do something with no other motivation than to just make money from it you're going to have trouble yeah like and so you know I saw Zach is kind of saying like hey like I've lived that life of being like all in BMX and then you see someone like I think who were you guys talking about was that Sean Ricanney yeah and you guys are talking about Sean Ricanney and you're going like hey like look he's upset he's mad but it's like yeah, like it's not easy when you've lived your whole life and you get paid to do blank and you're doing really good at it. And then someday somebody goes, Hey, look, we don't have the money. Like it sucks. It's very hard to deal with. So I'm not saying like one person's right, one person's wrong. I'm just saying like you might think that you're what it's like when people watch NBA players and they go, Man, why what do they have anything to be upset about? they're so good they make so much money like people fuck with them on tv they shouldn't be that upset about it and it's like no like you know it's you're still a person you're still a human like and so at the end of the day even in bmx like we're talking about like i know it sounds cool to younger riders to just get free bike parts yeah that sounds really cool however you can't once you get older you can't live on free bike parts you can't eat free bike parts like (laughs) These nope. things change. So, and that's okay to be upset, but it's kind of like, hey, learn other things. Don't get too stuck into, hey, BMX. Learn how to do things like you do. Learn how to edit. Learn how to make videos. Learn how to do audio quality, uh create content, whatever it is. Any skill. Other things around it. Learn a skill, and you will go a lot further than the person who has no skill and just rides every day. Yeah. Um, riding is fun. I was the, I'm the, the The prototype of a person who did nothing but ride BMX growing up. <laughs> I slept through school <laughs> like every day. I, I I would I would ride Changa till three four in the morning some nights. Changa one, and then we would had to drive home. So like you're talking forty five minutes to get back home. I didn't live close to there. Neither did you. So you're driving forty five minutes home, and then you're getting up to go to school. Then you're sleeping through classes because you have to sleep so you can go ride again. I mean, like I literally did nothing but ride. I I loved riding that much, but at the end of the day, it's not something that like nobody's ever going to get a contract. That's like, Hey, you're taking care of yourself and the rest of your family for the rest of your life from this contract you're going to get. It just isn't that way right now. Yeah, And that's okay. Like riding doesn't have to be that riding is, is a beautiful thing. It's fucking amazing. It's a lot of fun, but just understand that like, it's not somewhere where Sean Rickaney taking, like he can leave now and he's taken care of for the rest of his life. Cause I saw some people making that type of comment. Like, Oh, he's been doing it for a long time. It's like, he's not sitting there. Like he wasn't making $5 million a year for the last 20 years.
1: There's very, very
0: few, if any people in
1: all of BMX history who have been set for the rest of their life from whatever they did. And, While we're on this subject too, I want to make sure people know about the podcast that we did previously talking about this exact subject of Mm -hmm. trying to set yourself up financially or whatever it might be for after BMX. So you can reference, Mm -hmm. if you just search my name and your name at the same time, you'll be able to find that and we go super in depth, but absolutely.
0: Yeah. And it, it's just necessary. And it it's not that, Hey, like BMX, I'm not saying BMX isn't fun. I'm not saying I regret anything because I think the other thing that's the most important thing to talk about it is BMX got me to where I am today. Like BMX taught me all the lessons that I had about like working hard, like falling a million times to continue to get back up. Like whatever I've done well in my life that set me up to do that. So I'm not saying like You know, everything's going to like, has to go one way or you need to get paid or something. It's take the journey for the journey. Like understand that you're on a journey. BMX is a beautiful journey. You're going to make friends. You're going to have the rest of your life, but understand that there is also life after BMX. And maybe that's, you know, looks, it's going to look different for everybody else, but understand that your lessons in riding hard, doing things that's always going to stick with you. Yep. And then after that, it's and because I think it's the same thing with riding, being a professional athlete in any sport, drug addicts, whatever it is, you run into the same thing when you get either after your career or getting clean. It's what do I do now? Like, I I can't figure out the next step. And it's Mm. like there is and and feeling like you have no skills and it's like, no, the same skills that made you a good bike rider are the same skills. Skills that make you good at business, good at salesmen, working hard, like all of those things are the same exact skills. And that's probably why there
1: are so many people who've ridden BMX that are successful in whatever they're doing that is not BMX. There's so Mm -hmm. many out there.
0: Ron Thomas and I always have this discussion. And it's it's funny because we talk about it and we go, you know, if. Uh, Cause he's in real estate. Um, I invest with him on projects too. And I'm in finance and we always have the conversation like, man, like if, if, and every business we'll ever get into after owning a BMX show team will always be easy because <laughs> the, the, the people you're managing. I mean, I had some great managers like Gerber being an amazing manager and uh, back Rob was a great manager. But, you know, dealing with certain situations and other kids and young 17, 18 year olds for the first time on the road. Like that can be a huge, huge thing Yeah. Um, and a lot of problems. But when you, you move on to the next level and it's like, OK, well, now I'm working with I'm starting this business. I'm able to understand how to manage people who are 17, 18 years old. So I can certainly manage 25 to 40 year old people. I know how to motivate people. I know to, how to keep people on track. And I know also like that people need to have fun and feel valued. So you learn all of those things through BMX, and then you can move it into whatever the hell you want in your life. Because yeah. really, it's it's that journey that we keep talking about. Yeah, man. It's the, the fail to
1: succeed and then everything else along the way. Mm-hmm. It's cool. BMX is the best thing ever. It is. It really is, man. Yeah. Uh, I've been waiting for a good time to say, and I don't think it's going to come up, but uh, Caleb Oni. The first thing in the chat here said one time at a ghetto park jam, Dorito was announcing and he couldn't pronounce my name. So I I was established as Cyclops for the rest of the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember that, dude. I mean, it's so like I think the thing that I I really loved the most about BMX and I still like I was thinking about it the other day and I want to still be more involved and start putting on more contests again. And that part of it, you know, because I think the thing that, uh, and you and I have talked about this off mic a couple times, when you have things like, um, I grew up, I there was contests every week, mm-hmm. somewhere at that point. Uh, writing was huge then in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so I'd go to all these contests, I'd do all these fun things. Carrie Sayer in Cleveland put on most of them. Uh, tons of contests every single year, always was running stuff, just a good, good dude, one of the best dudes I know. And he, I remember winning one contest and, and he looked at me and he was like, you know, you're going to be putting these on one day. And I never you know, thought about that at that time. And then I did put on a bunch of contests. And I think it's something that we're really missing in the BMX th- uh, field right now, which is, It was it went from people like Carrie to me and then not a lot of people really continued to do it. I mean, yes, there's some people like you, uh, Trevor, but it was like a huge amount of people like me. My name and just calling out myself is just one of many, many people who did that at the time. And And we don't see many get togethers anymore.
1: There's a ton of jams, but not contests. Mm-hmm. There's like there's two. I won't say too many because there can never be too many. But there's so mm-hmm. many just BMX jams that happen that I have to pick and choose which ones I even get to go to because I can't go to an event every single weekend and cover it. And then mm-hmm. it's just a lot. So there's a lot of that, but there's definitely
0: very few actual contests. Yeah, and I think you need comp competition isn't because you want to win like that. That's the thing. And I, and I learned that early on my first pro contest ever, I was 15. Sean Dorton was Mm -hmm. still riding at a very high level. Um, (laughs) God, Sean Dorton. That's a name. He's so good. And he came up to me before the contest. I was super nervous. I puked in the bathroom. I'm shaking like crazy. You know, now I kind of laugh because it wasn't like a huge concert. Well, I guess it was bigger. It was the one, the burning bike jam, I think. Um, it was either the burning jelly jam or the one right after it Two hip had those contests back in the day. And Sean came up to me and he was like, yeah, just do like a line, you know, you can do do something, do another line that you think you can probably do, and then try to do something that you can't fucking do. And I was (laughs) like, can't fucking do. What do you mean? And he was like, cause you get to go home from this contest. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. You want to go home with, hey, I crossed this off my list. Like, and you want that self-satisfaction. And that's what I wrote every single contest for. Like, it wasn't ever like, I want to win or beat anybody. Like, I could care less. Like, because yeah. riding is really personal. And I think most people know that, like, it's, you're looking at yourself in the mirror every single day, trying to get better and better at this thing. Like, the only person who's really going to detour you from that is yourself. Yeah. So you know, getting able, being able to get in that contest and be like, I'm gonna just send blank. I mean, contests back in the day were crazy. When I really think about it, there was people who'd enter and start the contest like that. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. just trying to do something that they could never do before, you know, and send it 50 times and maybe land it within a 10 minute like jam format. <laughs> I mean, it was wild. And then like, think of all the all the huckers we talked about back in the day, Matt Sparks. Dennis Condusta, like, I, I always remember Dennis, people would always make fun of me, they'd be like, why do you always bring up Dennis Kandusta out of all the people? And I'm like, have you ever seen Dennis Kandusta ride? He was a bad man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this dude, do you, do you remember? Do you remember any footage from this dude? I don't even know who that is. Okay, so you have to look it up. I'm sure there's got to be I don't know if there's much but like he would pop up in props randomly. And he would do like a wall ride like above the moon and at a skate park. Like, as as big of a wall ride as you can get. He landed, like, an X-Up ride. He did a truck to X-Up lander on a step down. Like, he, he would 360 this gap at East Coast Terminal. Like, and he would just show up and do the craziest stuff you would ever see in your life. Like, he ended a few props videos doing, like, some of his crazy stuff at ACT. Um, but, man, it's just wild i wonder if i could find i'm looking it too. up right
1: now just to see if there is anything i you type it in and you just on youtube and you just get dennis Anderson.
0: yeah i'm sure let's see uh and he plays music now so a lot of his like music stuff comes up yeah I just type in the up ride
1: truck driver Lover to up lander out of the mini into the sub that's a post
0: that's there yeah i mean you might have to just like dig super far to find this stuff, you'd have but... to dig so hard because it's all prop stuff like it yeah. props they didn't put that all online so like you'd have to dig super hard and then even then the title of it like they would have
1: to be very thorough with descriptions on youtube to even be able to find something in this you know 50 minute long video that ends up online somewhere it's just hard yeah
0: I mean, you you think of dudes like that and like think of that that era that was super interesting, which is you even had dudes and everybody hates this name whenever I bring it up. And also, like, just so people know, like I didn't <laughs> this dude did not like me at all. He was a fucking dick to me. <laughs> the Jeremiah Jones. I don't um, even know who that is either. Oh, my God. Well, that's easy stuff to find. He So he was one of the best riders in that era. In the early 2000 era, and he never comes up. I never see him in any of those early 2000s posts or anything. He was one of our best riders during that era. Okay. He was doing barspin, wall slap, barspin, middle of a run like Quinn Semling. One time we were at a contest, and this annoyed the shit out of me. I'm sitting. So this is right about the time I I, start, I invented the barspin, Abubaka barspin. Mm-hmm. And I think Patty Gross may have did it about the same time I did it or possibly before. I can't remember um, how that went. But I remember learning it. I learned it and did bar spin one way, and then I'd bar out the other way. I wasn't trying to do it that way on purpose. It was just because the way I, I did uh, Fufa news to bar spins and Abubakar to bar spins. <laughs> so I could grab my lever, throwing it left, grab the lever, throw it right off the lever. Um So he shows up at the contest where it was, it's, uh, mesh after mission, Mm -hmm. there was mesh we're sitting on the mini ramp and, Oh no, sorry. This is even crazier. We're not sitting on the mini ramp. I'm sitting on a four foot quarter pipe. Um, and I'm looking at Jeremiah and he drops in, he's staring at me the whole time. He he was just kind of fucked, uh, (laughs) I, I didn't really know him, so I don't know if he's fucking insane, whatever, but he's just fucking, like, he always came off to me as a little odd. And he always had some issue with me that I never knew. Anyways, he goes up, and he bar spins, lands in a boobica, stares right in my eyes, and drops in and bar spins back in. Right after I just started doing that trick. <laughs> now, it's like, like that's how talented that dude was. It was like a joke for him to do that stuff. He's, I mean, if you watch old videos, he's like foot jamming that huge wallet at uh, Mesh. He's He could do the three double on the spine stuff and the seven stuff on the spines. Like he was, I, I didn't see him land any of those, but I know he was trying those around the same time. Like, I mean, the dude was wild. Um, extremely technical, could ride it all. But you don't hear about that dude much anymore. But like, once again, he was like, He'd do bike flips like wow. and stuff back then. Like he was he was just a whole different rider and a different breed back then. And so like we had all these like crazy huckers back then. And I think that was the thing. Like riding wasn't a like I heard you guys talking in Zach's interview a lot about how people put out videos and it's just crazy trick after crazy trick. Yeah. I see that too, but I also see that people take away the falling out of the videos now. Like
1: it's just the something? very beginning of the video is how they start and I, I'm guilty of that I do the exact same thing
0: I mean and a lot of people and a lot of people do now um, and I don't know if that's good or bad that's not my point but my point is that I remember the thing that really um, made me interested in riding was the imperfection of it yeah you watch a run by you know my first uh, exposure to BMX was X games and watching Jay Miron rock yeah and I'm sure there was other people on that day, but I didn't remember anybody but Jamie run. And he's three with the spine and he landed funny and he like fell. He did a couple of things that he fell. But then his second run, he was like, you know, back then, I think both runs counted. So you like you had to like have a really crazy run to make up for your last run. Yeah. And like he put everything into his, his second run and like landed all the stuff that he fell on. And like that was always like super attractive to me. Like, hey, I don't have to be perfect. Hey, you know, like sports, you had to be almost perfect for people to like you. Yeah. Uh, Riding was this thing. I could dress however I wanted. I could be whoever I wanted. I didn't have a coach telling me what I could and couldn't do. Yep. And I can fall like I can. I don't have to be perfect. And sometimes back then you could fall on a run and you could still place. Yeah. Now it's like you put a foot down. You might as well. (laughs) Mira actually said this to me one time, which is funny because this is years ago. This is probably 2004 or five. He said, nowadays, he's like, it's, uh," or probably a little bit later, it was 07, we did the state fair. Um, He said, nowadays, you literally put a foot down, you got to just raise a white flag and just throw it out. He's like, same with a bird. He's like, if I even do an ice pick grind on bird, I might as well just pull out a white flag and throw it, you know, like, yeah, it's funny, but it's true.
1: Well, it's the, it's just kind of the evolution of how contests are scored these days, It's not the fault of the riders. It's not the fault of the judges. It's just how, however it was landed on that it got pushed in the direction of basically being akin to figure figure skating where you just have to be a hundred percent. Perfect, or you have no chance of winning because there's someone like Logan Martin, who's riding in this contest, who is going to be perfect. And if you can't also be perfect and do better tricks than him at the same time, he's going to win. And it kind of like it sometimes it sucks that we see that it's that way, but I feel like it's also a difference in the types of contests we're talking about, too, Mm -hmm. because like you said earlier, there was contests every week that you were going to, if we still had a ton of these, not quite due tour X games, Olympics level contests that people could just go and enter. I think there would be less of having to be perfect and that it would become ultimately like two different paths. You could take, you could take the, all right, I want to be perfect and I want to be in the Olympics, or all right, I know I don't have to be perfect here and I can go and
0: send it. And no, yeah, that's a that's a great point because that did exist in the same time. Like if you had Dutour, like there was that. And then if you had the normal contest, jam format, it was different. Jam format used to now it started to mean like landing everything. At the same time, the one thing I'm leading out, a lot of the older guys will also lead out, is like riders have progressed to that point where it's very hard to say somebody's better than somebody without – with them putting a foot down. They're they're just really good. They're really talented. Yes, it's – I hate when old people say it's different because when I used to do – uh double tail whips people thought that was too much and ugly and and too many too many tail whips <laughs> now like i got people come up to me it's like man i miss when you did double tail whips you know the bikes are heavier you're really far away from your bike and it's like it, you, you it's all the same thing like <laughs> they have just progressed to a crazy level that most of us can't keep up with it's perspective. and it's the same with tech yeah it's perspective it's the same with tech it's it's like like saying like riding in the 80s like by the early 2000s, you could have put any rider in the 80s against me on Vert, Park, uh, whatever it was, and unless their names were like Hoffman or, or or Mira, I would have probably smoked them like easily, like in most contests, and even probably Hoffman and Mira in like any Park contest. That's not to say they weren't. The best riders at that time so you can't compare errors comparing no. errors is stupid because then you could take that
1: and go compare someone from today like mm. somebody's warm-up run from today would beat whoever won a contest 20
0: years ago nick Bruce can three double whip a spine and with his eyes closed in his sleep today you know that yeah. was my hardest trick probably ever done you know on a spine uh years yep. ago so, I mean, it's just, it's progression over time, which is what I want to see. Like, you know, you can't compare eras because like those guys were on different bikes. There was a different time. Like they, uh, obviously they continued to progress and got even better and better and better. Like, you know, and by the time we're we're talking about in the two thousands, Mira or Hoffman would have still smoked me, you know? And, but in the eighties, like they grew up, they were inventing those tricks. Like, that, yeah. That was that was all new stuff. So it's like you have to respect like the three double whip on the spine because without the three double whip on the spine, there is no Nick Bruce doing the uh, barrel roll double whip on the spine. Like you have to think like there there's always a progression thing there. And some people like they can't ride forever and ever and ever. Yeah. So it just transfers on. And I love to see it. Like I love to watch these guys do stuff. But at the same time, like I do miss uh, – I do wish they had the BMX that that I had. Um, that was my goal is to try to make that as much as possible but it's like damn i want i'd love to see more of that i think it would just take more people
1: putting on like actual contests not necessarily okay we're just having a jam and we're gonna have best trick on this ramp it more like what trevor's doing just more contests formatted similar to that and i'm not harping on anything by saying that i'm just
0: saying like no jams what? are important too it's all it's all important right like we're not saying like one's bad i just think that kids getting into riding is one thing when you are getting into it you uh feel very competitive you want to try to beat your friend or something or go to a contest and not to mention all the pe- people contests bring in yeah um you're talking about like, I've met like people, <laughs> Mark Tosney is my tax guy, you know? Like, <laughs> that's, like he was mine
1: too for a while.
0: Yeah, you know, you go go down the list, like you, you meet people that I met when I was like, you know, 12, 13 years old and they're still friends to this day. And like, that's the things like, because when you ride a contest with somebody, And back in the day, it was cool because, like, you could ride your style, my style. It was still the same contest. It was still Mm -hmm. scored nearly the same. We just knew you rode differently than me. That was it. So, like, you know, you get to today and it's like, I'm still friends with all those people. And you feel like when you're on the battlefield with them in a contest, like, you actually went to battle with these people. You did stuff with these people. Like, you will always have that bond together. And I think now, like, we don't see that bond nearly as much. Yeah. And to go back to what you're saying about comparing eras, too, because
1: people do that sometimes. I think the proper way to do it is to compare the person you're talking about to the top level at their time and then do the same thing for what you're talking about. So you could talk about the 80s and you could talk about whoever and compare them to whatever the very top of the line was. Then you go all the way to today and you can compare... Mm. Marcus Christopher, I guess he could. He is the top, <laughs> but you can compare those two things, and then you're like, okay, so for the time period, this is here, and I guess that makes it a little bit easier to try and make those parallels.
0: Yes, exactly, and I just think too many people get stuck on the like, I mean, and there was some cool, like, you could say, yeah, there were some things that peaked out, and but there will always be certain things, like you could go back to. You know, the 80s, and I could tell you certain tricks that certain people did that I still have never seen. Right. I've never seen a, uh, they did ta- tabletop bike flips where they just throw it like that,
1: except like- tabletops.
0: Almost like they just and they they bike flip, they let go completely of the bike, but throwing it like a tabletop and just letting it continue. Yeah, I'm just I'm
1: referencing a different trick. Like people used to do X up tabletops, and I've never seen anyone even attempt that today.
0: No footed X up inverts. Oh yeah, that was a trick too on vert. You know, like and there was a lot of like like one handed no footed inverts. Like there was a lot of really cool tricks that were done in that era that aren't done today. It's not that they don't have the skill to do those though like now it's not a skill thing it's just people have forgotten and that's also sad because it's like you don't want to also forget those things but once again it's not a skill thing so you completely compare but also you could go like i could talk about that stuff forever because my i have a photographic memory i could remember every single trick everybody ever did even the the two ones i'm talking about we're talking about uh john parker you know like john parker had some really cool weird tricks that people will never do the drano. But they were just so cool oh my god the drano the drano's one like but he also like the vert guys all had these like weird like the the one handed no footed tabletop like that's that's a super cool trick super weird looks amazing yeah um All the vert guys had super cool tricks like they just had so much flow and style and and weird stuff that they would do. And everybody had like a weird, quirky like one like that. Uh, I love that era. That was such a cool era in BMX. Yeah. So to
1: kind of talk about something different, I just remembered about something. Uh, I was on the phone with Shad Johnson a little while ago, and he told me that he has a sponsor me tape of yours like a physical one. He doesn't know how he got it, but he has it. And he said he can uh, he can rip it and put make a digital file and send you the actual physical thing and a oh, digital copy that. of that. Yeah.
0: But I also am confused because I never made the only thing and I never had anything against those, but I never made a sponsor me tape. I don't know. He just I- said he has a tape of yours. I did have the only time I ever had anything like that was Sparks wanted to get me on Odyssey and asked me for footage, um, and I sent him some stuff. So whatever he has, though, I would love to see it. Yeah, I told him I'm like, dude, he's gonna be so pumped. I would be so happy to see it. I don't know how it, how it came up, but I would love to see that. And not to mention, I, I Shad also. I may have sent something to Solid years ago. I think Afro that was Pat what it was. Did the same thing, yeah. Afro Pat did the same thing where he was like, "Hey man, like you know, I got this uh, dude from Solid uh, that I know, Aaron Huff." And he was like, "You should make a make a tape and give it to me, and I'll give it to Aaron." And I think he did. That might be what it's from because Shad's from that area. That would make perfect sense. I think he may have referenced Solid whenever he was talking about it. God, that was that was a hell of a brand. Like I loved Solid Man. They were just good people. Uh you know, and what's what's funny is so when I was in active addiction, this is, you know, thirteen years ago now, uh when I started I game I came back and I wanted to ride again. Mm-hmm. More than anything in the world, like, I just wanted to ride again, I wanted to compete again, I wanted to be good again, but I had so much trouble at the beginning. The one thing that was the hardest thing, like, I mean, I was a heroin addict, and, like, people like to, like... Oh well, he, you know, because today I don't look, you know, like I guess people who look like they used to do heroin look different. But once again, <laughs> it's like uh, you, you just don't know. Like not everybody shares their story. I share mine yeah. uh, to hopefully be open and help somebody else. But as a as a heroin addict, like you get off of all of these drugs and you try to ride BMX again, and your equilibrium is thrown off completely. I couldn't peg grinds were hard i remember damian uh racket used to go with me and we'd go to this little skate park in my town and by this point like like i was already like this is after three double whips and all that stuff so i'm 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 as, as talented as i ever was uh right before that and i couldn't feeble grind a ledge that was this high like i couldn't feeble grind a ledge that high um, and like, I would get so upset and so bent out of shape and, you know, and, and he was like, Oh, you're, you're, you're fine, man. You're good. Like, cause he knew, like he, he'd seen me in active addiction. He wanted me out of it. Like he was also, and he was around and so we would just ride and try to do one small thing each day. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do a Smith grind today. I'm going to do this today, like, and continue, like, then I get disaster and i to learn all over again. But it gave me a lot of respect, like, by the time I was doing, like, three whips and double whips and sevens all over again, like, it gave me a lot of respect for all that stuff. So, I mean, you just get to, um, and once again, that goes back to what we said earlier, like, I don't know if I could have gotten out of that without the lessons I've gotten from riding. Yeah. Um, because the lessons from riding is, like, you can overcome anything. Um, you can fall, you can get hurt. I have had so many injuries and so many problems that I've overcame, but bike riding has taught me that, that you can continue to get back up and you will get better and it just takes time, but it took a long time to get better at, for that point. Yeah. I was doing a
1: podcast
0: with my buddy, Noah McBride recently, and
1: I was trying to think because BMX is so unique in what you were just saying, like I was trying to think of something that isn't another action sport that is on the exact same level in every way of BMX and all the things you can learn. I could not come up with anything. There's a million things that have different elements of it and you learn different things and, and just not
0: all of the things that you can learn through BMX. I would say basketball. I could I could I could say that only because I did both and I can see parallels with the two. Um, the athleticism is important the jumping is important, but the, iq you have to have is very similar to bmx where like on the court with other players the things you have to do but once again we're not talking about by yourself by yourself is how riding is yeah it's that intricate whether you're you're with a team or not and
1: think about this too in bmx there's not many other things in the world at all that you can go to a random skate park and meet the michael jordan or the lebron james of bmx and just ride with them like basketball probably has a lot of parallels but there's pl- there's certain that's things not one of that just do not and that's why i'm like man is there anything else other than the action sports segment that you can get into that can be on the same level of different like the skill tree you play a video game you got a skill mm-hmm. tree bmx just makes your skill tree huge. And I, I just can't come up with anything that's on the same level. Someone said music and music is definitely close, but music at the same time isn't as physically demanding mm-hmm. where where you can hurt there's the element of like potentially getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Like physically hurt and breaking yourself off to where like you break your leg. If I mean I guess you might be able to break your leg, but <laughs>
0: it's a it's it's the most demanding sport there is and that's the reason why it's like even um all these years later if i think back to the amount of time and effort to become uh you know a professional and make money doing it like it's gonna take a long like and for people like me i don't think i learn very easily i I don't learn things very easily um it took me a very long time and a lot of dedication and waking up every morning and watching The videos, like, you know, six videos in the morning, you know, oh, why are you getting up at five in the morning just to watch more videos? Uh, You know, go to school, come home, watch a video, get more excited, go out and ride for four or five hours, come back home, watch a video, go to bed. You know, like that's the the real lifestyle to get that good at things. I don't see that obsession anymore Um, where like people people don't know a lot. Like if you you could name riders from the 80s. Um, and I could tell you most of them, you know, I'm sure there's somebody I'll miss, but there's, I could say most of them nowadays, it's like, people don't go back far enough and learn the riders from even the nineties, you know, like if I brought up a bunch of riders from the nineties or early two thousands, it's a lot of, it's forgotten. Mm-hmm
1: or to even access those things.
0: Yeah, you're right. Because, uh, the difference was back that- then is that we had props you know and props came out every month but props went into the, like it looks like i don't know because i'm not as involved as i used to be but it almost looks like props all went to into a lockbox like you can't get them unless you spend money now That's and it's like all the other thing. old yep yeah, and all the other old videos like they're all online they're all free like like you can access all of them because at the end of the day like are we riding did we ride back then to be on props and have props continue to hopefully make a couple dollars off it, which I don't mind. Yeah. Or did we ride for legacy? Like or did we ride to progress the sport? Or did we ride because we wanted to inspire the next generation? Like that's why I rode. So I don't understand this like, hey everything's in a lockbox right now forever and ever and ever shit. I think like, that's bullshit.
1: I think it could be really cool if
0: if whoever is still
1: running the the props stuff, if it's it's uh god why can't i remember his name right now? right chris rye yeah if it's chris rye whatever if maybe he like uploaded it to a youtube channel and made all of the videos members only like turn the props youtube channel on put everything that ever existed on there make it members only so that if you want to watch something like yeah it's still behind the lockbox but you don't have to buy the whole entire set or like put it on a website put it behind a uh, you pay paywall. you pay 5 yeah. bucks, you pay 10 bucks, you pay w- whatever, even if it's the same price as the whole entire thing just mm. so that you don't have to have the physical dvd and yeah that's cool and people enjoy that but like it would also be cool if you could just go to props.com, log your
0: stuff in and go oh, this is the one I wanted to watch, click on it, boom, there it is. Yeah, because that was the point. Like, that was the point of me owning all these fucking videos. Like, I mean, <laughs> I owned millions of videos. And the whole point is, like, to just be able to go through and be like, oh, this was fun. Oh, I want to see this part. Oh, I want to watch this. Like, that's why I own. I mean, I still do. I have boxes and boxes of these VHS tapes to this day. Yeah. Um, and I still just have them because, like, they're, as especially now, like, they're events that happened in my life that were significant. Yeah. Um, and so now it's like, I get to go back and look at them, but if you're, everything's behind a paywall, I think the most important thing for riders in our generation to do is unlock all that shit and be like, here you go. Like, that's the most important thing I think we can do, um, as we get older, because that's the point. Like I didn't ride to just make myself good. Like, yeah, like, yes, I did. And it was very personal and, uh, you know, people don't want to get hurt that much and go through that much to ride if it's not for you. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I want the next generation to get any everything they can out of it. Absolutely. Whether it's free videos, uh, contests, whatever I can. So, like, that, that needs to change because that's, yes, props made money on it and they did a good job with it and they deserve to continue to make something on it, but unlocking it the way you brought up is a way that they could still make a couple bucks while also giving that to the next generation yeah because right now the way it is it's not it's not looking good well it's just the people who one know about it and two put the effort forth
1: to buy it and even just having on props youtube channel if they decide to make it public but monetize all of it if they could the music would be the hard part I guess the copyright, mm-hmm. so maybe it would make sense to have it on a website.
0: But I think they went through most of that, you know. Like I think by oh, the time it cleared, yeah, because 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 remember there was that period early on, sure, but the periods later, like probably I want to say ninety four on on, we all talked about it, props rock, yeah, because that's true. those songs were all. You know from people they either knew um you know recover was a band that was in BMX for a long time like things like that were all popping up like crazy so i think it would be just fine like your your idea works the way it is i think hmm. you know so you should write them <laughs> don't say don't say we you and i talk chris rise always had some fucking problem with me i don't know
1: chris do <laughs> it somebody's <laughs> gonna send in this just do it
0: uh i made a your mama joke uh and road fools when i was like 17. Or or what? Not Road Fools. Uh, make a tour. Well, oh, like so, so you screwed
1: yourself over by one thing that you said when you were seventeen, and and that's how yeah. BMX works these days. If you say one thing wrong to the wrong person, guess what,
0: pal? You're out. Well, yeah, I mean it's true. It's true, man. And that's the thing that like I I've, I've always hated about it, which I've never understood, is that like BMX was always this place where people were allowed to be open and whatever, like nobody gave a shit about anything anybody ever did. And then you have that other part of it where it's like, Oh, well you like, you know, even the Jeremiah Jones guy, why do I bring him up again? Well, it's because there was a contest where he, um, who was it? Somebody took pictures, maybe Delecki and a bunch of other photographers. And with your prize money, they handed you a picture that they uh, made as well. I don't know if he was mad about placing. I don't know if he's just, I honestly don't think he was even mad about placing. I just think he's just fucking didn't care and tried to throw it. I think he tried to throw it out to the crowd and it busted. Mm. And like forever after that, he was not involved in contests ever again. (laughs) And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like your riding has to the only it's, it's kind of like if you watch a basketball player, a football player or any other athlete in the world, they all do all types of crazy. Oh, shit my God, We could never get away with. However, they're like. But he's good. <laughs> but, but he's
1: but, good. But he better help them win this weekend, or my yeah. fantasy football is gonna go down. I, I can't it, have that.
0: <laughs> exactly. So like, but then you have somebody who does something like that, where it's like, yeah, I don't agree with what he did, and yeah, it's not. It's pretty fucked up. But why is BMX such a fucking popularity contest? It shouldn't be. Or oh, it, it just... should be on that day. It should be who's re- riding the best that day, and that's it. And no matter what I felt about people, as I've judged them over the years in contests i've always taken that out of it for me i've always let that go because you can't have a situation ever where you're looking at somebody's riding who's paid money to get there work their ass off oh i have a I have a funny one for you now that we're I'm, I'm out of bmx i can talk about this one this is funny so there was a contest many years ago i won't name names but um it was contest many years ago and I rode my ass off and I actually was like I've never went to a contest and rode so well that afterwards I was like I had to have won this thing, but I thought I won.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and it, and I ended up in second place. Somebody else got first and the tricks they did uh three three to spine, they did a tail whip air, they did a 180 on a very small box. Um and I think they ice picked a sub rail. And at that point, like I would, this was my, my peak of riding. I'm doing everything I possibly can do. Anyways, after the contest, I talked to the judges and I was like, you know, he brought it up, up and he was like, man, like you should have won. I, you know, and I was like, well, we won weird that you said that, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll ask. I said, so what could I have done differently? And he was like, well, you know, there was a good story behind the dude who got first place. Look, he drove down here with his family He had a big smile on his face. You don't really smile when you ride. Like, he's like, so like, you know, he had a really good story behind it. And like, and I was like, wait a minute, that's like, what about the riding? Like, he was like, well, yeah, you rode better than him. But once again, like you didn't have the story behind it. So that's the things that I've always like really despised about it over time, which is like, why is that a thing in BMX and not anywhere else? Like nowhere, there's nowhere else in the world. Fucking Tanya Harding could uh, take out Nancy Kerrigan. And if Tanya Harding was still skating better than Nancy Kerrigan, nobody would have cared. You know, like it's just the way it is. But now in BMX, it's always been that. And I think it hurts the sport. I think it's not that I care that much. I just think it hurts the sport because then people who are really good, really talented could be the dudes to put on the next contest or start the next company or something. They start to get jaded and they go, why do I want to be involved in this? think i don't
1: necessarily think that it doesn't happen anywhere else i just think it's in a different form in that the guy who is perfectly qualified for the job doesn't get the job over the person hiring's friend mm. you know those types of situations like this favoritism and and being biased definitely exists everywhere oh, else exists
0: just... everywhere but not that but there's i guess it exists everywhere and you're absolutely right because the thing that people need to know who are watching this is if you want to go far in your life learn how to be charismatic learn how to uh be nice to people learn people's names like little things like that will help you yeah. um how because that stuff happens in the workplace all the time but in a, in athletics where you're supposed to be judged on your talent that's where it doesn't belong now not saying like if there's someone who's a real real piece of shit fine like, <laughs> like there's like, a line for everything yeah, <laughs> of course yeah if there's someone doing really 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 shitty things fine go for it um but once again it's like you see people like even someone like like gerber you know like he he's more than qualified he's a very smart guy he could help a company. Uh, to this day, the dude could help a company, but because oh, yeah. he's said things that people dislike, it makes him on the on the outside of BMX. You know, he's on the outside now. And once again, it's like then you also have the situation of like what happens to the thing that I think also but we could talk about a little bit is the people. <laughs> Duncan Gore would always say term limits. And <laughs> BMX, he'd be like, BMX needs term limits. Yeah, and be like I, he's like, I'm old. He's like, I'm not trying. I'm not out there trying to like get paid or take somebody's spot at this point. At this point, like, I know I'm not better than blank dude. So why am I in trying to take his money? You know, at this point, and it's true. It's like at a certain point, you're like, why are some of these people still in it to that level? And we've never moved on from them. Like we we're-, we're just not going to. And as cool as it is, I think, it, like, some, like, not saying, like, some of them in their 40s are amazing and much better than everybody still, but the people who are not, like, it's like, go run the company, go start a company, go do something, and some of these new kids that are coming up, like, they could be the ones to really take BMX to the next level. They're charismatic. They're nice. Like, find somebody. Like, you can't have a new Dave Mira without trying to find a new Dave Mira. Yeah. And BMX always talks like you were talking about with superheroes. Like, not saying like a new Dave Mira would be great because it brought people into riding. And like some people started riding from Mira and were like, I've got the Haro uh, Mira 540 Air, whatever crap. There was 50 of them at that point. Yeah. And they would move on to riding street, uh, you know, and like uh, all of these things would happen just from people coming into the sport. So like we need more people like that to be picked up and given that opportunity and chance, you know, like somebody like Jamie Thayer, you know, like he can ride just about everything. He's a good kid. Nice dude. You know, like you have all of these people that I've known over the years that I'm like, man, they could be the person to be on TV, charismatic, charismatic good at riding kids could look up to him, you know, but at the same time, like we don't really give them a chance because we're like, Hey, there's this dude over here who's been doing this for like 40 years. And we're just going to keep that going. Well, or Duncan would always say term limits. <laughs>
1: it's, it's the exact same thing as the the conversation of when people get to a point where they, the comp people are like, well, the money's not there, man. We can't help you out anymore. It's it's the same thing that those people feel except these 40-year-old people you're talking about are still in their jobs because they're like, well, what else am I going to do? Am I If I leave, like, I can stay here, no problem, and that's my life, that's comfortable, that's normal. But if I were to, like, the thought to leave and let someone else come in, it probably just doesn't exist because it's like, well, I, this is my job, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything you were saying about Gerber is in the – how BMX is so quick to outcast people and and all that stuff is exactly why I have him on here to talk mm-hmm. because he's got really great points of view, he's yes. got really good opinions and he's such a smart person. Yes, he's just shit at communicating it sometimes. Yep, <laughs> and he yep. says it in a way that makes that is like abrasive to some people and that that turns people off. So. I like to think that I'm really good at like steering the conversation to be productive and not let it go too far down the abrasive path and be like, look, let's focus on, on the part of this that is like, yes, everything you're saying is correct and not go too far down the side of what makes people stop listening. And so I want to talk to Zach because he's got all those great opinions and he's going to, put he's he can help BMX and if somebody were to give him the opportunity but I don't know that he would even want to take it based on like what he does now and how how he's doing in life it's like if somebody were to offer him an opportunity in BMX he probably would have to take a huge pay cut
0: yeah, I mean and, and and at this point all of us would, but that also tells you back to our earlier discussion, which is like there there is a life after it. Yep. You know, there is there is something different um that can change. But back to Zach, like it's like in general you have to um you have to take the good with the bad with people. Yep. You know, and, and also understand that like we don't know what some every people might take it abrasive but that's weird that in the BMX community there's people who would take Zach as abrasive like i grew up with like Lou Bickle trying to fucking <laughs> bang my girlfriend at the time and like not understanding that it was and the dude watching the dude eat light bulbs and beat the crap out of people at slayer shows and me having to walk up to him and be like Lou uh just flex as much as i can Lou <laughs> that's that's my uh that's my girlfriend. Uh, could you not do that, man? That's kind of fucked up. And I'm like, I'm like, please, for the love of God, do not let this man hit me. And he looked it down at like he's huge. He looks <laughs> down at me, Like I'm the smallest, pussiest person he's ever met in his life. And he goes, Dorito, I'm sorry. And gives me a hug. I didn't know that was your girlfriend. I'm so sorry, man. Like, I'm really. so. And, you know, like, it's like, but that's the type of people we grew up with. And it's like, so people like Zach and I, like, yes, I've learned, obviously in finance, I can't go around communicating the same way I normally would, (laughs) like, but I don't know what you mean. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I, I try my best to learn those things. But at the same time, it's like that's the way we grew up. So it's like and also those things when people are that way, when people are that abrasive, those are the things that might stick with you. Yeah. When you have somebody just telling you like, hey, like you could do this differently. That doesn't sound great. But if it's like change your fucking life, like you might remember that. Yeah. Like So it's like someone like Zach, even though people, some of them might do that, he's, it's going to be memorable. You're going to bring people in, people will watch it, no yeah. matter what, because he does have a lot to say. And it's just some of his ideas of like how to market uh, BMX that he had in the video with you. Like people haven't seen that go back and watch that. Go go use that for your companies. Like yeah, shit. right. Like there was some them spot on, amazing ideas that that man had laid out for people. Yeah. And if some companies use that, they're going to go a lot further. Yeah. I just love that. Um, you know, you do have a good platform for certain things that are are uh, available in BMX, and you do give a voice to people who don't usually have it, and that's one thing that's incredibly important about what you do. And it's like all the things that like dudes like Zach and I have lived through, like, that's the lesson. I, I can't, I can give you lessons in actually living it. You know, I can, Mm -hmm. I can tell you about living it, what I did after what I did wrong, like being an addict, like all of these things, like they affect more people than you know. And also like, it was just funny. I was just talking about this this morning. I'm having these conversations with, you know, very high level people in finance. We're talking, you know, 100 million funds and and so on. I can't tell you how many conversations where people have been like, yeah, you know, I know that you were an addict. Like, yeah, I was an addict too. You know, like, like, you'd be surprised on how many people are out there in that field. So it's like things that you've lived through, like, don't be afraid to wear those on your sleeves. And, and then also you have things like, things that you want to turn off because you're like, I hate what this person's saying. Try to listen to it sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you can really tune out like it doesn't matter if you hate them or what they're saying, tune out what you hate, tune out what they're saying and just get into the real stuff, like try to figure out what you can grab out of that conversation.
1: Because Zach
0: said a lot of really good ideas on there.
1: Yeah. And and to pull everything you just said together using the Lou Bickle girlfriend story as an example, it just it just goes to show that like no matter how abrasive, how I don't wanna say crazy because there are certain people you can't you can't reason with crazy sometimes. Mm. But there people like Lou in that situation, there was a, a way that you could approach it and talk to him. And then he ends, it ends with him giving you a hug and apologizing. And that just goes to show that if there's a situation, somebody saying something, doing something, whatever, there's ways that you can approach things rather than just like outcasting somebody or whatever. You could be like, Hey, look, like we,
0: uh, we can talk about this and mm-hmm. figure it out. Yes. And that's the thing I think would be important if if BMX, if it was done all, if it was ever done all over again, there was a time where you could literally go back to, um, you know, the 2000s and say, what should we have done differently? We should have had a board to kind of go in like NBA, NFL, all those things. They have a board that basically goes down and says, hey, this was fucked up when you said blank you know, like, what are we going to do about that? And those things are important. Like, even though, like, once again, like, I'm not a big fan of things like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, then you could have figured out why somebody threw a, a picture, why mm-hmm. this person said this, why somebody cut their bike in half.
1: Yeah. You and know, like, just playing off that too. It's like, Currently, without something like that, it's the, the gatekeeping type people and the people who are in power that are keeping other people out that are mm-hmm. playing that role of like if you do something wrong, you're out. We're yeah we're not even gonna talk to you. You just go on to the blacklist and it's done. There's not gonna be a solution explored or or they're gonna contact you and if you don't bend to it, then then that's when you're out.
0: Well, that's why I was also talking about the addiction story. Um, You know, I don't bring that up a lot in interviews, but the reason why I'm bringing that up is that how much it, how long it took for me to start writing again and then how the community took it. Um, You know, I'd have videos online and people would be like, you know, write pills or junkie under it or whatever the fuck. Um, You know, I don't luckily like there was good people out there who knew me from beforehand who were good. Jeff Harrington being one of them. Um, even the come up really was nice to me. Like things like that at that time that really like helped me get through it. But it was really hard when like you have, you work so hard to come back through something and somebody's sitting there going like, you're not good enough. Like you've done yeah. something wrong. Like you can't live in that either. But once again, it's like, I continued to work through it because that's the thing, like whatever it is, just like you said, there's a conversation to be had. And I would run into the right people at certain points and I'd have the right conversations and people would see that, hey, he actually is doing well. He actually like we have all these parties and the dude doesn't drink and the dude doesn't go out and we and I did start doing shows again. I did start being allowed to do things. So there was conversations that were had after all that time that really um, helped And so I, I agree with you on that one. That's the one, not the one thing. That's one thing that pisses me off
1: so bad with the way the BMX community acts. Because you are not you from six years ago. You're not you from six months ago. You are you right now. And we have way too many people in the BMX community that will chastise people and outcast them based on who they were 15 years ago and never give them a chance to come back when I made that video yesterday about Sean and saying hey guys like maybe this is a little too far like we're, we don't know what this dude's going through, and you never know what yeah. the effect this is going to have. I literally had people DM me on Instagram saying, no way, that dis- that dude is such a little shit. He deserves everything that happens to him. He asked for this by doing the things that he did and saying the things he did about BMX. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the level of compassion that you have towards another human being that you can genuinely say that he deserves... Everything that is happening right now. It's not like we're talking about somebody who went out and like cut somebody else's bike in half. Mm-hmm. It's not like Sean Riccini went out and cut Garrett Reynolds' bike in half and was like, ha ha, look at that. Or not Garrett Reynolds because he used him as a good example, but one of the people he was talking down on in his post recently. It's not like he went and cut their bike in half and was like, ha, look at that. Mm-hmm. It's like this dude made a post on Instagram. He put words in a video on the screen, mm-hmm. but you're going to say that he deserves all of the bad things that are coming his way because of who he was as a kid on Woodward TV. Like,
0: yeah. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. And like, you don't like a lot of the things that happened. Cause I was also a young kid competing with the pros and like, I was just really quiet. Yeah. It wasn't that I was an, a- and people thought I was an asshole, but until they knew me, but it was like I was just quiet because they were all good and I I didn't feel like I was as good or didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. Uh, my self-confidence wasn't high in my riding. So, like, that happens, too. So you can't really take anybody. And once again, it's like you cannot judge people on their worst action. Like, that's what that's what really shitty people do. Like, can't judge people on their worst action. Some people, they go through things and things happen. Even, like, you know, I always liked that show. The only, like, I I never really talk about shows, but one thing I actually, one show I actually liked was that Orange is the New Black show. I never watched it. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. It's like a female prison show. My girl was watching it, and so I started watching it. It was pretty cool. But the one thing that I really liked about it was it continued to point at, like, people in jail and their story before jail. Yeah. And how these were, like, good people that got into a stupid situation. And me, my story, and, like, You know, I have a, you know, a lot of things happen, like my adoption, my family dying, like a lot of things happened in my life to add me up to where I was. Mm -hmm. And the same with like, then going to jail, the people I met, you would be blown away. Like, number one, most people in jail are people who have like driving under suspension things. Like, that's a lot of people in jail. Number two, like, you would be so like, here's a great story. There was a dude that everybody knew that was, you know, he was a bad dude. Very scary. Scary dude. Um, you didn't fuck with this dude. I think he did hits um, for one of the gangs in Cleveland. Scary fucking dude. Anyways, I'm in jail with this dude. I'm reading a book. I read a lot. I'm sitting there. And he's coming to talk to me. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. And he's like trying to talk to me about random stuff and, you know, what he wants to do afterwards and all this stuff. And I go, hey, man, I just kind of got to ask you, like, what do you, you know, why are you here? And I guess he's so what he said was when I found out my girl was pregnant, I gave everything up. I went straight to court and I said, I want to cut a deal. He had a bunch of warrants. He had 20 years hanging over his head. He said, I want to see my kid at some point. He's like, I need to figure all this out and get my life together and he changed his life completely there. And like, you know, to this day, he's on a much better path. And it's wild to think about that because it's like sometimes people need that really bad thing to happen yeah. to get better from something. Oh, yeah. And Rock like bottom. you don't know when somebody like Sean, like what maybe maybe he's going through something you have no fucking idea about. And maybe he needed this situation to go this bad and this out of control to make him a better person. But also the more we do that to BMX riders. It would have been much easier for me at that point to be like, fuck this. I'm never putting on contests. I'm never starting a show team. I'm never riding anymore and just go on to my next thing. Yep. Um, And you see that a lot in BMX and and I didn't, but I could have.
1: It's so frustrating that you just don't see people given a second chance when they do something that is in that list of don't do this type things. It's, it sucks to watch that. and mm-hmm. And it really bums me out because you can see people like the guy you're talking about or mm-hmm. like a perfect pop culture example right now, Jelly Roll. Like that yep. dude's backstory is crazy. And look at him now. He's got, he's like, one of the biggest stars in the world who's Mm -hmm. singing songs that inspire people and like literally songs that keep people alive in the situations that they're in in life. And in BMX, Mm -hmm. we have people who are so shitty that when something comes up and there's a very clear case of like, okay, something's going on here. They just, it all goes out the window because of whatever it makes people do that and and it blows my mind and that's why I was so frustrated when I made the video that I did yesterday. Like I'm in a position right now where I really just want to let this whole Sean Rickaney thing like die. I don't want to mm-hmm. I just want it to stop being talked about completely. And yeah. and that's why I I get so mad about it. it is like people just l- allow it to keep going. And I guess I'm kind of doing that right now by us talking about it, but I'm trying to to use it no, as it needs a, to
0: be talked about because you're like you you're using it in a way that's going to maybe help at least one person see the other side of the story and dude people, and the rest of them who are not open enough to see the other side of the story fuck them because they're not they're never going to see the other side anyways
1: the amount of people who messaged me yesterday that were like thank you for what you did
0: thank mm-hmm. you for
1: saying something thank you for speaking out against this Mm -hmm. the amount of people that messaged me when I was like, oh God, what did I just do? (laughs) I was so mad when I went live on YouTube and just laid it all out there. It was just a straight main line from right here out. And and afterwards, it was like, you get very unsure when you do those types of things. And the amount of people who are like, thank you for saying that Mm -hmm. was like, all right. I did I did the right thing. I said things that needed to be said. And it's just like, man,
0: that's hard. Sticking to... up for people who can't stick up for themselves is part of our job as human beings. Like I really believe that. Absolutely because there's a lot of people who can't stick up for themselves sometimes. Yes. And he's in that situation. I mean, here's a great one. Like, I won't name names, but there's two two of the best writers that ever came out of Cleveland. Uh, one got sponsored. Um, went to went down south big riding town down there um he went through some crazy shit with the girl he was dating at the time uh he took a rock smashed his bike with it uh once again he was after that he was blacklisted he was still the, one of the best riders actually in the world at that time he was the most talented rider i've ever met i've met a lot of good riders and this dude was the most talented rider i have ever met and he never was sponsored again Nobody ever knew shit about him ever again. It's um, crazy. You know, and, and, all you know, over that, like, I'm and not it was a mistake. He, he even admitted it was a mistake, you know, like he didn't want to do that. And then you have another one, which I didn't know until recently, which is another, the, probably the number two writer uh, that I've ever met in uh, Cleveland. That was an amazing writer too. He was also another one that was so talented so good and he went through some shit in his life and i don't know what it was he's never talked about it um where he borrowed money from people and then he still to this day like he he's paid people back at this point he's tried to do the right thing he's he's been a good dude since um and he's still afraid to come to the park and like be around people and riding because of what he thinks people will be like you know, it's really like that's a sad thing. And like, no matter what I feel about somebody, like I would never, ever like there's people in BMX who have made my life a living hell. I can really only think of one of them. But that person, if they showed up to ride, I would never like I would never block them from riding their bike. I would never do that to somebody, even though this is That's why I mentioned one, because he's the one who did that to me. I would still never want that for him. I would still never want to do that to people. So to think like there's all of these things where it's like people are blocking someone from the thing they love more than anything in the world. Because um, at, the, at the end of the day, Sean or Kenny, whatever we think about him, whatever anybody believes, that dude loved riding his bike. Yeah. And did it for most of his life. He was a little kid coming to the park. <laughs> like, I think he even rode Chang'e 1. Like, I remember that kid wow. being like a very little kid and being around. Um, so, I mean, he's been doing this for so long, loving this for so long and something has happened. Something has shifted. And he's always, from what I remember, has always been a professional. He's never done anything like this. And so the one time he does something like this, people are going to lose it. That doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't, there should be zero
1: consequences for people's actions because Mm -hmm. obviously we know in life, like you have, you make an action, there's consequences to it, so like whether they're works good or bad consequences, whether it's a good or bad thing. What I'm saying is, like, if you see that the reaction to whatever somebody did is like affecting them and making it even worse, like, maybe, maybe let's not jump on it, continue to make it worse. Yes, that, that's yeah. that simple, you know. I don't know how, like. Cutting a bike in half. I don't know how you'd, what type of consequence in BMX, like is adequate for something like that. But it's like I don't think the whole community shitting on him is deserving.
0: No, and and it's it's a thing that we kind of do in this world a lot. It's (laughs) look at Kanye, look at Kanye. Yeah, nobody likes to talk about Kanye anymore. But it's like. It's a good one to look at because whatever way you look at it, if you if you're if everybody's going out there and being like, hey, this guy has a mental illness. Hey, this guy has this. Would you would you see somebody outside of your house who has a mental illness saying screaming crazy shit? Would you hate them and make fun of them and do all the things that you do? Probably not.
2: Probably not. And
0: like people go in and out of mental illness too. Like there's, there's phases where you're in your life and you're not feeling like your brain is really in the right place. That happens too. So we have to really be careful about how we handle people in general. Like love is an easy emotion to give somebody when they're going through a rough time. Hey man, you'll, you'll get better. Hey, it's going to get better. Hey, you broke you you, you cut your bike in half, man. I hope you're all right. like, that people writing stuff like that to someone when they're going through something, that shit saves lives. This whole like you fucking deserve everything you get, like that's not gonna help anybody, not at all. No matter
1: what someone's going mm-hmm. through, telling them they deserve everything that is happening to them is like it's like I think there's just a genuine lack of compassion for other people that just like doesn't exist as much as it has in the past
0: yeah i think it's because we've gotten too used to this whole like we're not people anymore right like it's we're too used to this like hey we all talk through the internet hey like we're just on facebook okay we're on twitter hey whatever and we're all just messaging each other and nobody thinks of that person in in real life Cause in real life, like we are all people. Yep. Like, and I don't see anybody act like that. Like if if he was cutting his bike in half at Raise MTB <laughs> and people were walking around him, people would be like, oh, dude, are you okay? Yeah. Like nobody in the world would be like, You deserve everything you get. Like <laughs> that would never happen. You know, like it would just yeah. be like, Are you all right? Like, do you want to go talk? Like, I here's a good one. I was fucking so out of my mind at one point that I was trying to sell my own bike at Raise nobody once came up everybody was like dude you can't sell your bike like you don't want to do that you don't want to sell your bike like that's how people should treat people or
1: buy it from you and
0: not and then uh give it like keep it until you're better and then i had somebody do that with with uh my one of my ipads uh or 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 not ipads uh ipods back then. (laughs) god there's too far in the future Yeah. (laughs) yeah an iPod. I had an iPod that I sold for nothing, and like a friend of mine, Damon Sampy, ended up sending it back to me years later. So I mean, it's like that's the nice thing that like people can do when people are in rough times, because it's like that's the people we're all going to go through it. And the biggest thing I think of is like, what about when you go through something? Yeah. What about when your ass, who said that you deserve everything, has something happen to them, and then you do something out of character? What? is it going to look like for you then don't wouldn't you want somebody to be looking out for you and most people would say oh, that would never be me and it's like you have no idea yeah if you, you feel like that you're too young and you don't understand what life might throw at you at some point
1: you just never know what's going to come up and and that's absolutely right and i think you, you had a good thing there talking about people in person acting mm-hmm. way different than they do on the internet and, and i think that's because the character that you have and that you put out there when you're in front of others is way different than what is there when no one else is around. And, and I firmly believe this is off. This is funny because I've I've held this saying since eighth grade algebra because it was on the wall, but
0: it, it was on a poster and said character is who you are when no one else is looking. And that's a damn truth. That's a damn truth, because that's the thing when you're when you're sitting there in this culture now it's important to um, be online and show everybody what you're doing and all this stuff all the time. And it's like, like, I don't like the things people don't see. I go to a rehab every Friday and talk like I fucking um, go if there's a fucking homeless person and I have money or food or something like I do it. I don't care what they spend it on. Don't give me that shit. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter to me. Like those things are are, are important. And they're like, nobody's going to see what I say there. Nobody's going to see any of those things. And I do them once a week. But once again, it's, this is what you should be doing. And I don't do these things just because uh, out of the kindness of my heart. I also do these things because it helps me to stay on the path I'm on. Yeah, Like, so... You know, it, it, everything works both ways, but you also want to pay it forward if you've been through something to help the next person. So that's why you're paying it forward by saying what you're saying. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. I made a
1: video recently uh, that was filmed in August where we my buddy, he bought one of those kink completes that was being sold by Menards for a 100 bucks. He, he bought mm-hmm. five of them. He sold three of them kept one and then kept another one with the intent of giving it away and we filmed the process of giving it away and it took me months to edit it because i'm just wrestling with like this this you shouldn't give a bike away and then put it out there for everyone to see because it's no different than people who are out there giving homeless people thousands of dollars just because it gets clicks on facebook and and ultimately i landed on this position and we did it from the start this way of like making sure that in that video, we were talking about how the reason we're doing this is not for the views it's going to get. It's because the reason we did it in the first place is that my buddy saw Spencer Forsman give a bike away and he wanted, he was inspired by that and we wanted to put that out there into the world and hopefully get more people to do that. Mm -hmm. And, And it's just trying to lead by example. That's kind of it.
0: That's the best thing you can do, and like you know, I love that. Uh, you know, there's people. I'm watching the the chat, and you know, I, I love that there's people like talking about like this. Like this is a good conversation to have because of where we're at, mm-hmm. and I think it's also important. Like, uh, you know, I'm seeing Jay Parrish talking about it. You know, and it, these things are important because oh, also the Albert Street shout out for to BMXP. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's important to constantly be that voice in the world, you know, like, and, and be the, per- be the person you want to see in the world. Yep. Like, I think that was a Gandhi quote, but be the change you want to see in the world, be the change you want to see in the world. Exactly. And it's like, the more you can do things like that, the better off you're going to be. And if you continue to go down a path of like, one, when you're making fun of other people, you're really talking about yourself. Like that's that's the truth. Like you feel insecure. You feel better by making fun of other people.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: the more you can just sit and focus on yourself and like what you're going to do, how are you going to make the world a better place? Don't tell me you're going to change the world and fix climate change. It's <laughs> huge things like like those things. That aren't, you're not you not you can't affect that. But what can you affect? Well, you could write, you could write Sean McAnnie and say, I'm sorry, or take your comment down. Like that's little things you can do. You can just be nice to the person you see. Uh, if you're a kid, you could just say, Hey, Hey mom, you look nice today. You know, like shit like that is changing the world, but it starts by doing little things like that. Dude, If you still live at home and your parents are around,
1: if you go up to your mom and just say, thank you for everything, Mm you're
0: you have no idea what you've made her fucking day yeah or or i understand why you said blank 20 years ago you know like (laughs) like things like that you know you've made their day and so like and once again it's like that these are the people closest to us and by affecting the people closest to us then we affect more people around us you know and that keeps going so i love that um part of the conversation because i think it's that's been one of my biggest missions in life because i i felt very ignorant when i was younger because i didn't understand all the other things Mm -hmm. i would have thought things like uh, addiction and things like that were just this thing that bad people did or got into not exactly bad people i didn't think it was bad people but i just thought it was a control thing Yeah, you know, and like, as I get older, I realize it's not that. And then people go through a lot of things and all of these things I don't. And nowadays I'm at the point where I don't have to understand why people go through things. Yeah. Like I don't. And and it's not for me to understand what he's going through or what anybody else is going through or why someone is the way it is. It's my job to just be kind when I can. That's it. And I think
1: we're missing a lot of like what we're talking about in BMX. And I think Zach and I talked a little bit around this type of subject but it's like when it's nothing but crazy video crazy video maybe behind the scenes where you see some of that it's like to be a real superhero in the in the sense of like legit you know Dave Mira type superhero person that we're talking about mm-hmm. like you also want to influence people to just be better as people and, and we I don't think there's a lot of that that exists in BMX in general. I don't know if it ever has, but it, it's definitely a thing of like you, you just you're inspired by somebody's who's writing and maybe people say like oh, we don't need to have that in BMX what whatever I don't know. I'm just this is just a couple dudes bullshitting on the internet like talking. Mm-hmm.
0: No, exactly and and the more the more we continue to just do that, I think it it's, it's a thing that i think is very um good about the world today the one thing that i see is very um inspiring is that people are interested in having conversations like the live stuff the i mean tiktok live there's people who are jewish and palestinians having conversations all day every single day that's two different major things that people that supposedly really don't like each other having conversations instead of war. You yeah. know, like, and whatever way, like, yes, I'm sure they don't get along and I'm sure they fight, but it's interesting to see that being a thing now. You know, the people are interested in having dialogue. So the more we can have dialogue, the better off we are. Um, and I think that's going to continue to be kind of a trend that we're going to see. Yeah, well, I just, I genuinely feel like
1: there's so many people who are just so sick of the way things have been because the pendulum has swung so far in the other direction that people are just grabbing that thing and throwing
0: it back. Yep, completely agree. Yeah, man. So so BMX. <laughs> mm-hmm. So BMX.
1: Uh, what's your solving
0: glo- global problems? Yeah, we're <laughs>
1: we're freaking. We're being therapists. We're being all kinds of things. Uh, What's your kind of like, I mean, you just started really riding again regularly. What's kind of your, do you have thoughts on like just trying to ride a bunch more or
0: what? I mean, I guess so part of me is um, my body is like trying to figure out how exactly, how much can I ride without getting hurt? You know, Mm -hmm. because even being in the position on a bike has messed me up, but figuring out what's going on, like, so my shoes, this is sounds so stupid, but it's really a thing. My shoes are too tight, which makes my knees and my ankles hurt. Mm -hmm. So having to figure out how to get wide BMX shoes is the next thing on my list, but that's incredibly hard to find. <laughs> like, huh. I didn't know how hard that is to find, but like wide BMX shoes. So I also have my, my one of my injuries, like out of all of the many of them, um, I, my foot is fused together on my right side. So because of that, like I need like wider shoes and my feet are generally wider anyways. So trying to figure out wider shoes that I could um, ride in a little bit easier. It's hard to find. It's hard to find stuff like that. I I bought these awesome new balances and I'm bummed because I gotta get rid of them. But just trying to figure that out. Um in general, like I just wanna ride and have fun at this point. I remember thinking like when um just doing wall slaps and threes yeah. and stuff, like that's that's all I really care to do. Um and have fun with my friends. Like that's the thing at the end of the day. Like when I think back to the my BMX career and like the crazy tricks and all that stuff, I miss the crazy tricks because of the feelings I would get from them. Mm-hmm. Um the feeling I would get from them, be bigger than the bike. Yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> Is hey Paris? Wait until you're 52. Bro, wait wait until you've had seven ACL surgeries, then let's have a conversation. So, but, but, like, it's, um, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like, okay, you have seven ACL surgeries. Well, sorry, five ACLs, eight knee surgeries, um, few meniscus, and then you have your foot fused together, and then you have, um, I have my rotator cuff surgery. I have I've had my wrist done three times. I have broken my hands more times than I can count. I have small hands, so. Breaking my hands seems to happen a lot riding. I've broken my foot. I don't know how many times. Nina's been around for like 10 of those. (laughs) We were doing shows one time and like I kept breaking my foot every single week. Um, Sometimes things happen to your body. And it's not like um, you're sitting there and going like, hey, it's um," somebody who said pass. I'm just reading the chat as we're going. But uh,
1: he's talking about the knee surgeries. He said, have seven knee surgeries and come back you said that he said pass to that. (laughs) And I think the one right before that is a little bit further back in our conversation. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, but uh, but I love I love that. Um, I love to have the conversation about it because it is important because number one is like, I don't ever want to be like to a point where I'm like, hey, I'm too hurt to ride. Like, so that's number one above everything else where I'm going to figure it out. And I've continued to do that over the years where I've been like able to figure it out. And like, once again, it's like, how much do you love riding? And I love it a lot. So I'm always going to try to figure it out and ride do I think I can figure it out to the point where I'm doing sevens and three double whips and stuff on the spine again? Probably not. And I'm totally okay with that at this point in my life, but riding fast, flowing around, doing some 10 foot errors, uh, I would love to get back to at least that. And that's what I love to do more than anything else. But I was getting at earlier is the biggest thing that I think about is the trips with my friends, um, the fun I had, I loved uh, more than anything else. I know I did love crossing those tricks off my list, you yeah. know, like, or inventing a new trick that's never been done before, I've never seen before. Things like that and innovating. Um, that will always be one of the things on top of my list. But more than anything, like, I went a couple of years ago to Woodward with Jordan Stewart, John Quartz, and like a bunch of my old friends. And it was like so cool. Yeah. You know, it was so much fun. So, like, things like that is what I'd love to get, get back to. The, um, the, woodward retro jam is Mm -hmm. in march they're they're having another one it's in march and i'm pumped nice i mean it's just fun man and that's the thing that i think that people um when you're young and you're like having fun riding the one thing that you can get to get out of it is like the friends you're having and making you'll have for the rest of your life yeah like like sponge oh my god when i see sponge i get so excited to see sponge time after time yeah he is just the coolest dude, and like I have had so much fun riding with that dude over the years. And he is so talented and so skilled on a bike. Like things like that are the things like that will always stick with you. Yeah. Um. So it's like that's the stuff that that I miss, and I'm excited to get back to you. Yeah, man. I'm pumped for when you uh
1: three that Spox, the new Spox it raised because. I'll tell you what, that is the I best. already did. Oh, you did. Yeah, it's the best 360 on the planet.
0: I'm not. I thought it was mellower than it should have been. Uh, Dude, that's my terrible. favorite
1: part. I yeah. love that it's no different than three in a spine. You just land a little bit
0: sooner, and you're like, oh, it's like three and a step up. She's like, man, that was
1: easy. That was fun.
0: Yeah, David, that's a that's rough, man. Uh, I feel the the um, knee replacement. That's something that they've told me a million times is on the table always. I've been trying to. Push through that as much as I can. The, basically, I read a bunch of things about Kobe Bryant had a similar knee to me and probably you with no cartilage in it. I tried to uh, basically by doing um, certain movements with your workouts, uh, it's um, eccentric workouts, you can kind of create more space between your joints. So I've been trying to do that quite a bit more. Uh, it's been helpful, but once again, there's, there's a point where you're like, I can't, you know, I just got to get the replacement. And, uh, I've actually, but the one thing I have been seeing lately is that my buddies who've gotten a knee replacement, it's much different than it used to be. They're like riding again and having fun again and in no pain. So I hope that's, that's you, David. Dude, do you follow Bill Nitschke at all or
1: friends with him or anything on Facebook? I know Bill. Yeah. Dude, he just had double knee replacements he did the first one and then like not even a month I don't even I don't know how long later but it was not very long later he got himself back to where he was like walking whatever again and then he had the second one done just right before the new year it's wild great and that's crazy he's the kind of person that's just never gonna let it stop him either so he could be a good person to talk about the experience of it. If you ever get to the point where you like have to have it done.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna come. And just like it it came for David, I'm sure it'll come for me. Uh, Jay Parrish, he's got all types of stuff he's talking about. I mean, it's just like, they all come over time, like injuries they come and then just getting older in general, like things happen, but it's like the one thing that I, I am excited about is just to continue like the health journey and like, if you really want to get healthy and feel good, just eat different. Yeah. Eat completely different. That will change your life. Intermittent fasting was the best thing I did for, for my body in, in years. Um, you know, just lightening up, taking the, the the weight off of my knees and stuff like that was a, a huge change. And just continue to stay active, stay mobile, Don't stay stop. flexible. Yeah, I wish I wish I would have stayed more flexible. That's one thing. If I could have gone back and if I could tell riders uh, who are in their twenties, like stretch, stay flexible, do yoga, all that stuff, man, you will be. Your body will thank you as the years go on because that's the thing that really goes through from riding is your flexibility. That's why I do candy bar, ice picks, and a exactly. and everything. Exactly. Not not really. Not do but... a, I cannot get my leg over. The, I haven't been, but dude, in my in my prime, I wasn't getting my leg over the handlebar anymore. So <laughs> I used to do candy bars at one point. I have a picture somewhere. I'll send it to you if I can find it. But I do have a picture of me doing a candy bar on a vert ramp when I was like fourteen. That is awesome. <laughs> I genuinely
1: don't even understand how I still do the crazy, like crazy. I just did. My last trick of 2023 was an ice pick candy bar where I put my right foot over my bars, over my tire, and onto my left peg.
0: I don't even know how. It's because you still do it. It's because (laughs) you still do it, and you work on it all the time. Probably. You work on it all the time. BMXP is another amazing
1: example of somebody who's still just shredding, and he's 44. The dude is still doing back rail foofs and three in
0: spines and just it's awesome i i, I saw him shout me out i i, I don't remember him. what's his full name do you know I
1: forget his last name but he's from
0: west virginia oh i know who you're he's got dreads hell yeah 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 no he's a badass that's cool yeah he's that's still cool. doing I mean, it it's, i think that's a thing as you get older the one thing i do i the one thing i so when i look at I had a friend I grew up with, Bobby. Compared to me, the difference in Bobby to me is I was a hucker, Bobby mm. was not a hucker. Yeah. I watched Bobby with his ability to still be healthy all these years and do things. That's, there's like something to be said about some more balanced in riding. Like it would be nice to have been 40 and be comfortable on my bike and that doesn't mean like those dudes didn't go through any injuries or anything. I have a stupid story where I went through too many and made stupid mistakes during those injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love, love to be a little bit healthier as I got older. So I wish I would have done more yoga. I wish I would have taken care of my knees a little bit more, done things a little bit differently. But those are all boring things to talk about as you get older. But it's it's really important if you guys are younger and riding, man, like take care of your body as as you can now. It will only thank you later. Yep. And you'll be riding when you're 56 years old. There's dudes... DMC rides. I'm sure he still probably does fives and five bars. I haven't paid attention lately, but I know he had 50 and did at 900. So, I mean...
1: Moliterno. He just turned 59. Molaterno. And you I see the that. stuff he's doing. He's still doing five nose pick, to like the slider thing out of it. Yeah. Nose pick whip 180s over like the, his spine. That is amazing. It's just a perfect you know, example of what is possible. And I'm lucky that I recognized as a younger rider that like the more you send it and the more harder that you are on yourself, the shorter you're going to ride in life. And I, I just paid attention to how there's all these people that come into BMX that blow up as they're just sending dead man stuff. And then they all, not all, because there's people like Zach Gerber who's still, and Sean Burns, who are still able to just do that unbelievable, crazy stuff. But a lot of those guys, something goes wrong and then that are out of it. And I recognized that and was like, well, if I kind of, yeah, I ride everything, but maybe I'm going to stop trying to gap over the spine and over the box jump landing at Worcester to flat, <laughs> like yep. for no reason at all.
0: And stay in the middle, you know, like, that's the thing. It's, it's totally okay to, I mean, my calling was hucking. Like my calling was that like, Mm -hmm. I, I read the Hoffman books. It's the person I wanted to be was, and I, and I don't regret it. Um, I, I loved every minute of it, but to be healthier and riding longer would have been cool too. So it's like, you have to figure out like, i needed that i felt like i was like i was fucking angsty angry child who needed some place to put that energy so it went into that and so but once again it took a toll on certain things and like i'm missing part of my foot and like i don't my knees are shit and things like that are 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 real but once again it's like everybody's different you just got to figure out where you fit into the mix and love it and have fun doing it like whatever it is like I, I mean people were like man it's crazy that you huck I had a lot of fun doing that like it was fun for me. I had a great time every single time I think the only the first person I ever saw explain it well was Morgan Wade where he was talking about um hucking and he'd like people be like yeah they're just gonna be really scary and he'd be like right before he went to do it he'd be like this is gonna be a lot of fun mm-hmm. and like I was like yeah like that's exactly how it felt to me is like it's always gonna be a lot of fun And then also it was like, I will work, I would do anything to do the thing I want to do. I would give anything to do the trick I wanted to do. I would die to do the trick I wanted to do. So if I was there at that point, it was like, okay, I'll do it. And also, I'll be honest, I never thought I was going to be over 25. I had something in my head that I was like, I'm going to die at 25. That's it. That's my last year on on the earth. Um, And so I didn't really think past that. That's fair, man. That's you, that's just being honest. Yeah. You were there. And you watched me ride, it didn't it, it didn't seem far oh, off
1: to oh, think that. Well, from your videos <laughs> and seeing the crashes in them, that's understandable. Didn't seem far off. Uh, you were there at Wedgwood that day where, you know, most people when they jump a box to flat, they jump it backwards. Mm-hmm. I jumped Wedgwood's box to flat like attempted it two times before I even made it. Yes. That was, you have to that and that was it that was my brain i was like that's what i'm doing i want to do it and even though i had to bail and hurt my foot one of the times i still sent it a couple more times mm-hmm. and yeah i was just right i'm lucky that i recognized before too much of that craziness kept happening that it was like you can't keep this up forever
0: yes exactly you know and that's that that's what it is it's like um you just give and take as you get older. It's not that, like, riding is, like, ever has to be done. It's just what's worth it. Like, Malterno doing, like, tech stuff, like, that's probably worth it. That's fun. That's what he loves to do. Yep. And then, like, if you have somebody who's, like, a dirt jumper, like, I've met 60-year-old dudes who are f- f- shredding through trails. Like, yep. you just figure out what you like to do. Yes, the hucking, the falling, that's not going to be in the cards for you when you're, as you get older and older but it will still be something like you can still ride. You could still do something. And I think it's super inspirational to see dudes like McCoy or Molterno doing stuff like that at their age. Like that's super cool. For real. And I always bring up that dude
1: from Russia, Mendo, who didn't even start riding until he was 62. Yeah. And he's like 70 now and he's still putting out riding videos here and there.
0: Yes. It's crazy. It's, it's so cool. And and that's just awesome. And it's like and that's the thing that I think people when they watch people like always go back like and watch all their stuff. Like see what type of like Molterno, go watch Roger's Garage. Go see what that looked like when Molterno was honestly, that was his prime. It's crazy to think that's thirty years ago ago but like that was when he was 30 <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> like, nuts. that's wild to think but that's when he was 30 was the rogers garage video so like that's his prime basically and like watch the crazy stuff that dude does it's freaking amazing and, and then you know like go go back and like check those dudes out and see what they did at that point so then you could see where they're at today and go wow well that's what i maybe want to do is this and try to model yourself like that and there's also people
1: who like Moloterno or like Nyquist, or I use Questa as an example for this too, who have just never stopped and mm. are almost better today than they even were 20 years ago. Like Nyquist, mm. I would, I don't think it's too crazy to say that Nyquist is smoother and better today than he was
0: when he was winning contests at the peak
1: of him winning contests.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's, um, it's super interesting to watch dudes like that, like Nyquist, like you're, you're right because it's, it's, it's a different form of riding, right? As certain, at a certain point there's riding and then there's mastery. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I started riding, like if you watch my, we went through those two videos, um, uh, and you and me on, a while ago, if you go through my, um, aspire part, sketchy as shit, everything's too flat. Nothing's very smooth. And then the, the next part with the evolution is a little bit more like getting towards that mastery point of like being able to land things smooth, having more fun riding. Like and also I can see the mindset in me that shifted the mindset in Aspire was Huck, possibly die, like try anything <laughs> yeah. like and evolution was like I started to actually like have fun and enjoy my life like and riding gave me this self-confidence and this love that like i didn't have in my life before that so it's like you see those steps and then you get older and older and you know like you see those dudes like nyquist who've been doing it for so long i mean it was 98 i think he was 16 or 17 in x games and i watched him do that double but this thing he still does to this day double bar spin no catch backflip that's a trick he still does to this day you could go back watch the 1998 park uh boom he's busting out a backflip double bar spin he lands perfectly smooth he does like a big one-handed point air I think afterwards I mean I could still see the whole run in my head and to this day like he still rides pretty similar it's the difference though is he could do it on anything he could do it anytime he wants to he doesn't even think about hell he could do those tricks on the spine isn't that crazy <laughs> it's so
1: crazy and I when I realized that I was like Holy cow, Nyquist could probably go and fit, re-film most of the video parts that he's done. Except for stuff, you know, like where he's trucking off of a semi into a grass bank. Maybe he wouldn't do that in one day. Yeah. But a lot of what he did, it feels like he's still good enough today to do again pretty quickly. And maybe even better than he did before.
0: That's amazing. And that that's phenomenal. That's like real mastery and you see those dudes who have figured out that middle balance you know like there's dudes who are freaks of nature zach zach gets hurt but he doesn't really get hurt he like breaks the ground when he falls (laughs) you know like there's there's people like that and then there's dudes who like really figured out the mixing the health um and like training all together with riding like nyquist who've been doing it forever and ever and ever Um, and even McCoy, uh, Bestwick, those dudes did that for a long time and they stayed healthy. And then there's the the Hucker dudes, you know, and like we, I think part of Hucking is also that mentality in your brain that you're like, I don't have much worth, you know, like in the world. And that's at that point in my life. Like now I feel completely different. I'm a very different person. But then that's how I felt. So, like, you try to do crazy things. If you talk to, like, I I won't say his other name uh, because he he might not want that known. But if you look at the two craziest huckers you could think of from the cleveland area we were both adopted kids and foster from foster care you know mm. like, like so it's like you put that together and you're like holy shit you know like it's it's a thing of self-worth and self-preservation like and nowadays it's like i think it's cooler back then it wasn't as cool to like handle it like it was also a sport like you train you work out you do things like we did train we did work out we did do things at the same time it's not like it is today where it's like you got olympic coaches and all types of stuff like i never even heard of that stuff back then dude
1: i just think we have no idea what B- the longevity really is in bmx because we're gonna we how many people that started riding when bmx was brand new are still riding today that also did the training thing You know, who started when they were 13 years old in the 70s and is still riding today that also trained their body and ate right and did everything. So we have but we have that today. We have kids and young adults who are riding and doing everything right. And it's going to be wild to see what happens with the people who are doing that. And we have a bigger sample set now Mm, of people who are doing that then even it's all
0: being filmed now you know like everything your first bunny hop is being filmed to your craziest trick when you're 30 you know like Mm -hmm. these things are all being filmed now so it could really change things um and and i agree like i think it's um it's super interesting to just hear i love the conversation in the chat you know just people talking about certain injuries or pushing past certain injuries or you know past experiences in riding and it's like that's the stuff that I think we all can like, like, I, I don't say I had all those knee surgeries to be cool. Like it's, it's, it, it's not awesome. I say it because I hope that somebody takes a little bit different of a path. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know why and where I went wrong. Um, and if I could tell people what to do differently, I would be happy to do that. And not not to mention, here's the other thing that people are talking about. Uh, when you're riding back then, I didn't, like, I learned sevens, three double whips every, hell, I learned three double whips on a spine, which is probably stupid, but Oof. I did learn three double whips on the spine. Um, but like there wasn't foam pits, yeah. there wasn't resies. Like I wasn't riding resis. Like, so like, it, and I, and people now go like, it's a badge of honor to ride the box jump. And I'm the, I'm the old guy who will tell you, no, I don't feel like that's a badge of honor. Like, <laughs> I feel like I would have been happier to not get hurt as much and try to do it that way. So I don't care. However you learn things. I don't ever count that against people. Like all the, some of the older guys do. Yeah. Yeah. And Nate Lord in the chat, he is
1: like underground. Nate Lord is one
0: of them. I love that he said something because he's fucking underrated. Like, he's so incredible, good. He's always been so good. I love Nate Lord. Like he's always been cool. I I think he told uh Brian Cunningham to fuck off and didn't show up to a show once, which makes him even cooler. Uh, I love <laughs> I, I love Nate Lord. Man, he's good people. And but, like he's another dude. He's, he's He's probably I think he's only a couple years younger than me and he's still just a killer on a bike. Like it's it's cool. I know he probably feels in his head like he's not riding as good as he he could be, but he's still really good. Like, yeah. he's still really good. Well, What he just said uh, for people
1: who aren't also reading the Chaz said getting older and finding a way to love bikes after you stop learning new tricks is a really hard road. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate seemingly very poorly at the moment. And what I would say to that is sometimes it takes just taking a hard left turn into an area that you've never explored before in riding. You know, if Nate's really good at super technical lip trick type stuff, whereas I whip to foof or or stuff like that, maybe taking a totally different direction of like if you're not good at toothpicks, Maybe you master toothpicks and figure out everything you can do in them in a way that you never thought about or wanted to try before. And that's just an example. It could be anything. It could be Flatland.
0: It's a thing I see a lot as we all get older. And this is a thing that like a lot of my older friends will say to me is like, hey, man, are you um, like now that you're riding now that. You're, you know, that you've gotten older like because they think like i feel okay with it they're like oh see like jason is doing his new thing and he he has a fund and he does this new life and he's doing really well so therefore jason's figured it out and it's like no like there's there's mornings i get up and i'm pissed i'm not able to fucking do a 720 bar spin ever again you know like there's i don't nobody handles the that well like i don't think Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a mixture of things. I mean, I remember always seeing those, those interviews with Jay Miron. Um, he gets out of riding, he starts woodworking, uh, he, he loves his life, but, you know, he's moved on and I would be like, man, how do you, how do you move on? You know, like that's wild. You could just move on to something and not ride, but it's like, sometimes like you, you're, you have to, but it doesn't mean that that feeling isn't still there. like that feeling of like loving riding and wanting to do crazy shit and like like nate lord's a double backflip guy like you know there's nothing that feels like doing a double flip you know there's nothing that feels like that so like you have to like you navigating it well is is always going to be tough i think it's just a time thing and over time you start to move into different areas and you start to figure out like different things you love in your life Um, but i gotta get going soon okay i've just noticed the time it's almost two. I got to get off at two, so I got a minute, a few minutes. Okay. Well, uh, so
1: I wanted to talk about your YouTube journey that you're starting. So give me yeah. the two minutes actually, on what you're actually, doing.
0: Actually, I'm good. Uh, I do have a little bit more time. Oh. You, might, you mind if I, mind if I uh, run to uh, the little boys' room for a second? No. Get a bottle. Okay. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I can hold people for a couple minutes.
0: Okay. Give me one sec
1: yep he will be right back everyone yeah so uh i guess what i was gonna say he doesn't need to be here for this is that i feel like i'm really lucky that i recognized the whole getting older aspect of it and kind of like being safer with the things that you're doing to increase your longevity in riding and also have lip lords to thank for that too where you know just trying to take a certain thing like an ice pick and push it as far as I possibly can. And then when I get bored of that, or I feel like I'm just getting silly with the things I'm doing, move to something else like I did with five taps, you know, trying to do every single possible combination I can think of in a five tap and just continuing that and, and moving in kind of a a cycle, and just finding new things to push as far as I can in whatever direction. Like even, even this past summer at the trails, I learned so many jumping tricks that I've never done before. Because I'm pushing certain things in different directions. I learned how to do no foot can, one handers, regular and opposite. And that's something I never even tried before. So when it comes to this subject of longevity and how do you cope. Oh, he's back already?
0: Yeah, I've been holding that for a while. so
1: I'm, I'm currently
0: holding it. <laughs>
1: but uh, let's talk about just what you've got going on with YouTube and maybe maybe start it with a little primer on just like what you've been up to for like
0: work, I don't know, so people understand. Uh, yeah, so go back to, well, just general growing up, I had a great-great-uncle who was a, a trader. Uh, knew a lot about trading, investing, would talk to me about that stuff. Taught me some very interesting stuff. He was autistic, very interesting, different man. One of the best, best people I've ever known. Um, and then I've always, so I've always been in finance. I've always had an account. I've always had a brokerage account. Um, and then basically started in 2010, 2010, I started to get a little bit more serious about it again. Um, started to. Trade a little bit more. About 2012, I had a friend come up to me and basically say, like, "Hey, you should try to work for this prop firm." And so I lived in my car and tried to work for this prop firm for a little while. Um, basically, what they, what prop firms do is they give you a hundred thousand dollars and basically a gun to your head and say, "Come <laughs> up with come up with fifty thousand dollars to pay us and figure out a way to pay for yourself." <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And and so I had to live in my car at that point. Most of the time people have their parents' money or someone's money to go into this. So they have like, you know, a million dollars to trade with to make their 50,000 for the prop firm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have any of that. So I showered at a gym. I lived in my car um, and just continued to kind of go back and forth through that for a year. Uh, I ended up being the only trader who survived that thing. Every The rest of them blew up. That's kind of what they do at those firms. They just kind of, one person will make all the money and the rest of them will kind of blow up and disappear. I was one of the only ones to last through that, which put me in like a trading competition and different things um, over the years, which got me connected with other funds. So I've been in portfolio man- management and um, running hedge funds for, running money for hedge funds for the last I want to say nine years, nine years about now. Okay. Yeah. About nine years, 2024. Yeah. It'd be nine years. And so doing, doing that's been really great. And so I probably about three years ago, I started to do a YouTube channel where I just started four years ago. Now I started to bring on people that I knew in the industry that were really good hedge fund Titans, people who've made, you know. Millions of dollars, or millions, billions—actually being some of the numbers in there over the years. Some of the best returns you've ever seen. Uh, I started interviewing those guys just kind of like out of curiosity, like, hey, like let's let's figure this out. Kind of like just like same similar with riding, where you're like curious, like how this trick works, how Mm -hmm. does this work out, and kind of like wondering how do these different people do what I do, and just kind of bring them on. So I started doing that. In the middle of that, I was working with a very large fund who was audited by Deloitte. Um, So in the middle of that, I had to stop talking. I wasn't really able to come out and be public about anything I was doing or make posts about trading. So if you've noticed, my Instagram didn't have anything on it for a really, really long time. Um, That was during that period. And so basically, once I got out of that, I was like, well, I still have my own fund. Um, I still, um, I have a newsletter now, so going through both of those and it's against all odds research on Substack or against all odds research on YouTube. And so starting those up has just been fun because it's like, I'm back to just being able to talk to people openly. Finance is crazy. There's so many regulations. It's nuts. That's why everybody says this is not financial advice. (laughs) This is not financial advice. (laughs) Like there's just so many, so many crazy regulations, but really it's like, um, It's just like riding to me where it's like there's so many different avenues, so many different things to learn. I get up every day and I'm excited to like look around and figure out what's going on in the world. Um, And it's just it's a blast. Like I absolutely love it. So it's it's really kind of given me my next uh, step in life where like riding doesn't like those those days where I'm really upset that I can't ride or do something crazy like they don't hit me as much anymore. Uh, Because I really do love what I do, just like I loved riding. And it's been great. I'm very fortunate to have had some great jobs and made some great investments and some great opportunities and continue to just kind of take care of myself and my family and live life. Yeah, that's really cool. So two things. I don't Mm -hmm. know what order we answer these in. Can (laughs) you just
1: define what a
0: fund is? What does that mean? So... A fund is basically anything where you take money for somebody. You uh, you can even have real estate funds, uh, whatever it is, where you take money from a bunch of people, put it all into one pot, and then kind of invest it for them. Mm, So they don't basically touch the money. Ah, I gotcha. Okay,
1: that makes sense. Okay, so then like, what are your ambitions and hopes for the YouTube thing that you're starting to do
0: again? So it's the the subsack and the YouTube thing has been – just kind of like I, I still make my money from trading and the fund I have um, so I've just been doing that and like I was kind of like man uh, around 2020, the reason why I started is still the same reasons why I have it today is there's so much misinformation in finance.
2: Mm-hmm. People
0: tell people that this is how it goes, or they'll post something that's bullshit or something. And and you can, if you're a trader, and you're actually in the industry, you can see it's bullshit, But yeah. normal people can't. Yep. And so you get a bunch of people into very bad situations, they're investing with people that, you know, they'll tell you they're right all the time. Like I had some some Buddy sent me this thing and they're like, oh, this is the dude I'm going to buy this service from. And he said, like, I am right 100 percent of the time. And I'm like, well, just number one, that's always going to be a lie. There is no such thing as being right 100 percent of the time. Like, that's not real finance. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like you're you're you can always be wrong. It's just like trading. You can fall like so or sort like riding you can fall. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I really just wanted to give information out. Like I keep my service pretty cheap because I just want people to be able to get the information that they need uh, and not have to go to these terrible things that are cost them thousands and thousands of dollars a year for no reason.
1: Yeah. And it's really is unfortunate that there's so many people who take advantage of those who have no, they don't know better. They, they have no idea. And, the only reason anyone could even say they're right 100% of the time is because they're either slimy or they're twisting words because they give both three different possible scenarios for every single thing. So like
0: exactly
1: as I said, even though I gave two other <laughs> options, it's like,
0: yes, oh, exactly. Gosh. And there's there's um you know, there's something that I, I dissected the other day, which was um, so I, I'm a quant. I backtest test a lot of things. And so if you backtest test and you say like, hey, like I can make a system that wins 95 percent of the time. I could show you that system. uh, And I built like five of them and put them up in our group recently. And so I build these systems and I go, here you go. Here's the systems that work 95% of the time. And they have zero positive expectancy, positive expectancy, meaning it ends up with money at the end of it. What Mm -hmm. happens is you make those nine trades, those nine trades make money, that 10th trade Like, let's say you make a thousand per trade, thousand, 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 ten times or nine times, made $900 or sorry, $9,000. The next trade loses $10,000. Yeah. So, you know, you have no positive expectancy. It loses money every time. And then you could build a system that has a 40% win rate or even 30% that makes all the money in the world. Um, So, Mm -hmm. what do you learn about through that? Well, you learn like if you can make your losses small and let your gains have a lot of upside that's how you make money, that's the real truth. And so I try to really focus on like showing people the real truth of it instead of what they think. Any of the greatest traders of all time, like George Soros or um Buffett or any of these dudes. Of all time. <laughs> I'm sorry. But they'll tell you they're right, they're right fifty percent of the time, forty-fifty percent of the time. That's what they'll all tell you. Uh, but then there's these people that are snake oil salesmen going after like normal people, especially like kids like that are, you know, from the ages of twenty to forty. Like they go after them, they bring them all in and they're like, I can't believe I'm not making money. And I'm like, I can tell you why. Like there's a reason why. So I really tried to keep the service really open and cheap because of that. I put up a bunch of free content always, too, just so people can just be involved and um, get what they need. Uh, The only thing that's behind the the main things behind the paywall are the main trade ideas and the portfolios. Uh, but everything besides that, uh, and then we also have a free weekly report and we do the interviews, they're all free. So, you know, if you guys are interested in any of that, feel free to sign up. Cool. Yeah, I just, I don't know, you called Jimmy me diamond hands.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I know you I
1: just I saw you read that I knew you're waiting to say something. That's pretty funny. But that is like a really cool example of people coming together to like
0: stick it to all those guys who are trying to like ruin that. Well, I don't, I mean, it's, it was a tough thing to think about because it's like, um, you know, when you're thinking about, when people think about hedge funds or even me saying I have a fund, they're thinking like, you know, billion dollars. And it's like, no, there's a bunch of dudes that are just like me who are just normal people who have funds that manage money for normal people. Like, I, the thing I was talking about years ago with Deloitte, like, I, yes, I ran institutional money. It was a fucking shit show. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was hard all the time. It was rough. There was a lot of crazy people and a lot of things that sucked about it. But, you know, the thing that I, I've always enjoyed is managing normal people's money and helping protect their money, whatever it is, whether it's through uh, the Substack, whether it's through the fund, whatever it is like, that's my goal is to protect normal people. And that's what most of the funds are. Um, but the one thing that it was completely right about the GameStop one, which was when you see something like that, and this is just one secret that I'll, I'll, I'll let out. If you see something like that, and you have a way of uh, noticing short interest on a stock of koifin.com it's a it's a great website i think they still have a free product you can see the short interest on each stock when you see it getting to a very crazy level yeah there will be lots of people who have to cover it so the hedge funds they can't we we don't sit there like in things and hold them forever we cover our positions so meaning getting out of the market so as they're as you're short though you have to buy back the position so yeah. the market's moving up they're buying back they're buying back. They're buying back. And this is what creates those explosions. So yeah. you can do that across the board. The only thing, though, and what happened with GameStop is that everybody gave all that money back anyways. So you just have to figure out, like, how you're going to do, when you're going to get out. Those things are hard to figure out. But, like, if you can just come up with just, like, trading or riding. I keep calling them the same thing. Uh, if you can figure out a game plan. You're doing much better than everybody else. But most people, they just trade and they don't have a plan. It's very emotional. That's why the markets are so jumpy. It's it's all emotion. It does, it's not like the fundamentals of Apple changes a thousand billion times a day. <laughs> or like it's Facebook. Just, yes, it's just Tesla. people are emotional. Yeah, people are emotional and the markets move with emotion. It's it's an emotionally driven market.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah, when you called me and or said you wanted to talk about YouTube stuff, man, I was just mm-hmm. so pumped because I – that is my one of my favorite conversations to have is to just like, all right, what are you trying to do? What do you want? What are you already doing? All right, here's how you take what you're doing and take it to the next level or refine it to help. And then you told me how like, oh man, I'm doing this already and I'm
0: already here from it. I'm like, yes. Love it. Yeah, dude, I I appreciate the help, man. And that's, It's one of those things where it's like, I know I have, I know how good I am at what I do. I know I have a really great product. However, how do you show people that you have a great product? Yeah. Like, it's not something that's easy to do, so figuring that out, it's been super cool to go from, you know, very little following to 13,000 subscribers. And, you know, the it's been continued to build up on the Substack as well, uh, Twitter. So it's super cool. And I appreciate your help and just kind of figuring out the the nuts and bolts of most of these things. Yeah, uh, Jay, it's against all
1: odds research. It's linked in the description of this like all you have to do is click where it says it beside whatever i wrote i wrote check out his channel or
0: something like that i'll post my sub stack too in case anybody wants to just check text me that out. link and i'll put it right beside the oops i just put it in the uh show notes oh and skype uh no the um no sorry not show notes. the chat The chat oh it doesn't show
1: up because i have not links turned off so that's okay okay
0: Uh, i'll send it in the
1: chat yeah you can just send it to me and then i'll put it in the description for anyone who wants to take a look at it and uh yeah man i'm do you want to open it up for questions real quick if anybody has one yeah if anybody has one i'm down any types of questions for uh, or just tell me to f myself or whatever whatever (laughs) you want (laughs) Well, this is the kind of podcast that I'm interested in doing now. Like, There was a point in time where I was admittedly, you know, there was a bunch of other people doing a podcast every week and talking to these super huge names and everything. And I was like, I was on it. I was trying to compete with that. I wanted to, I wanted to do that and I was doing it. And then I just got to a point where it's just like, man, it, everybody's been interviewed and mm-hmm. the people who are left don't want to do it so mm-hmm. and i was like exhausted of of it and then i did a similar thing to what i did with zach with my buddy noah that i mentioned earlier right, mm-hmm. a, a week before that i did the one with zach and it's like man just talking with friends and like chit-chatting about whatever
0: that's what i'm stoked on yeah and i love it like i I like this format because it gives people like a chance to be involved in the conversation like that to me is is it's like you said earlier bmx is cool because everybody gets to be in the conversation people get to meet their heroes all that stuff it's like i'm not saying like you meet your heroes right now that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that, (laughs) that we're (laughs) <laughs> i'm the, your hero podcast, i did the nine brain, yeah, yeah as a <laughs> as a podcast is on like people can talk they can interact you know they can they can have conversations at the same time because that's what really keeps people involved and also helps people like there's people who want to learn more things like i'm excited like nate nate said for the amen for the getting older talk like that that gets me pumped because it's like you when you're having those conversations, like I have, I'm older now. So I have those conversations with my friends all the time. Like, how are you handling this? How do you do this? Uh, and you know, I had a lot of friends that were professional athletes in different sports and they still struggle with the same type of things they, you know, if you talk to somebody who's a ex basketball player, that's one of my friends, they talk about how, when it becomes, uh, you know, it gets a little bit chilly outside, like fall, they start to like feel antsy because yeah. like that's when their season starts, you know, and like they're they're like always trying to get geared up and they don't know why, you know, and it's like it stuff doesn't really change. It just has to transfer into something like maybe it can transfer into uh, trading like for me, maybe it transfers into woodworking, maybe it transfers in construction like Zach you know like whatever it is like it can be in all these different areas but you have to be open to something changing in your life you may never know like it's you you're having you're building stuff right now that you could do when you're 90 years old yeah like that's something that's that's incredibly important because at some point your butt like my body gave up on me early at one point yes it's back i worked my way back but I had to figure out how do I do things that are body related? I was, as a kid, I was a, I made in ground pools. I roofed houses, like things like that. So how do I do things differently? And then when you could figure that out, now you have like things that you like to do no matter what age you are or what type of pain you're in or anything. Yeah. Yeah, man.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, I don't want to take all of your free time today, but, uh, I don't see any questions in the
0: chat Brant's hometown heroes that's real nice that's what it is second that, that could be a series Ohio heroes yeah Midwest heroes would probably be better because there's lots of uh, it covers more people but yeah
1: but uh yeah I just I don't know I'm stoked that you're riding again chit-chatting about everything and it's gonna it's fine oh
0: yeah dude no it's been fun talking man and like anytime like if you anytime you want to do anything or talk or chat or bullshit man i I absolutely love just doing this this is fun and um this is what i do for work so i'm just chilling
1: yeah it's awesome (laughs)
0: uh i don't know if i'm
1: gonna ride this week or not just because it's zero degrees Mm -hmm. outside and i don't
0: like riding at rays when it's like too cold too frigid yeah we'll see but, uh, I'll well, I know. think I'm going to try to go this week. Uh, let me know if you do go like Wednesday or Thursday. I'll come up. I might. It's now that you said that,
1: <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> but on that note, everybody, check out uh, – oh, geez. that That's going to be a real question <laughs> that you have to like – Let's move
0: inheritance from where it's at seven years – way to not get to that's like a real a tough question. one but honestly that's that's perfect for one like you know I I if you look at any of these posts there are the public ones at the bottom is all my contact information uh, especially Twitter Twitter is really easy for me to get to the messenger so hit me up on one of those um and I will absolutely answer your question that's just something you probably don't want to public I right. um, but I will absolutely answer your question. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, thanks
1: for your time, man. And everybody, hit the links in the description if you have any financial desires. If you want to get rich really quick, these links aren't for you, but if you want to learn for real, (laughs) there they are.
0: I'm going to put my email in the uh, chat for Jay Parrish. or anybody else wants to hit me up for any of that stuff. But I just don't want to say what he should do or how, because I'd have to know numbers and stuff, and I don't want to ask that on on air.
1: That's fair. So, yeah, have a good day, everyone. We will see you
0: later for a video
1: coming out at 3.30. All right, man. Bye. Boom.